You were the chosen one. It was said that you would destroy this sin, not join them. My master could never be as vile as you. Anakin Skywalker was weak. I destroyed him. Then I will avenge his death. Revenge is not the Jedi way. I am no Jedi. The Shattered Order Podcast proudly presents Chosen Ones. Hello! Nope, nope. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 277th episode of the Shattered Order Podcast. I'm your host, Goodnight Punk, and with me, as always, is my good friend, Wink. Wink, what's going on, man? What's going on, dude? Um, Not a lot here. Kind of same as usual. Uh, what a madness of a week. Um, my house is just a circus. It's, it's crazy. Did you guys get any snow? Snow? No, no. I didn't think so. Because no. uh, if you're in the Midwest area, you absolutely got some. We had about... Eh, four or five inches of snow or so um lucy gold leader uh she got fixed today but boy does that dog like snow holy cow we she'll go outside just be running around just dive down in it take off running around she loves it can't tell she's cold it's pretty funny but uh yeah i saw a crap ton of videos this week of dogs just have with snow clumped to them because they were just outside playing in it and didn't want to yep. get out of it. Yep, that's so that's the way Goal Leader was. She uh, she big fan. That's pretty funny. I don't want to make people hate me or anything, but it was you don't like dogs? in the seventy five. It was in the seventies here all week. So oh, I thought you were gonna say you don't like dogs. <laughs> no, I love dogs. I, I'll be honest. Dogs I don't. Great. I don't mind the weather. I've had paperwork to do, so I've been camped out at home all week. Um, the wife only had to go and work for a couple hours since we've had the snow and she, it's like three minutes or sorry, uh, three miles from our house, uh, her work. So it's a pretty short drive. So she takes the Jeep and she, she's good in the snow, but, um, I've like, I, I took gold leader to the place to get her fixed today and went to the grocery store and that's pretty much it. Oh, and then let's start here. I stopped and had to get... I was out of whiskey, so I had to stop and get myself a bottle of whiskey. I decided to get the Elijah Craig small batch this time. Wasn't really sure what Mm -hmm. to get, so I figured that would be a pretty good option. So I I am sitting here drinking some of that, and it is mighty tasty. Very nice. I got some Firestone 805. Ah. Classic light beer. Love it. Nice. Very exciting. Because we've got... A lot to talk about this week. It's been a minute since uh, episode two of Book of Boba came out, but uh, we want to cover four episodes. So um, I wrote down some small notes of all the episodes and what the big things that happened in it and signed a kind of some like Easter egg type stuff for us to go over and kind of talk about what we thought of each episode. But we're going to try to do... I, I I kind of wanted to do something like... 20 minutes 25 minutes at most of the each episode and then our thoughts at the end you know just kind of keep it within 
a certain amount of time, not three hours, because these episodes could definitely be talked about for three hours. Yeah, probably. So <laughs> we'll try that. Um, so it's 8.10 now. We'll try to go at the latest 8.35 on this first episode. I don't think this has got a lot to cover for that much time, but we'll see. So the next episode after we, um, after our last chosen ones about Book of Boba Fett is episode three. And that one starts off with, uh, I can't remember where it stops, stops off, but I kind of got like sections of the episode here. I got three sections. So I got the flashback section, kind of talking about what the flashbacks were in the episode. Uh, kind of what the main story is becoming in the episode through this episode and uh, how it progresses basically. But so we'll start with the flashback. Um, basically the flashback starts with Boba on a Bantha riding into Mos Espa. I think it was most, I think it actually, it might've been most Isley. I think it was actually most Isley. Anyways, it doesn't really matter. But anyways, he was going to see the Pikes who, uh, him and the, him and the Tuscan Raiders had stopped on the train in the last episode we talked about. Mm-hmm. And he was basically going to collect the protection money. But it turned out that the Pikes can't be trusted. Probably should have killed them all and not let them leave. Uh, that probably would have been the smarter move. Um, Make them afraid of you, because apparently they weren't. Yeah, that it didn't go over so well. And, you know, I, I feel like one, a big complaint of this season has been there's so much of the flashback. It's like now and past, and there's been so much of that blending storytelling, which I've seen a lot of people complaining about. Because, understandably, it can be kind of, one, confusing to follow, two, just kind of annoying to keep up with. Um, However, as we see going through these episodes, that is something that they do fade away from. And I actually think they did a really good job with the flashbacks. Like, I do think it added a lot to the story, keeping it interesting and showing how we've led up to whatever we're leading to in season three of the Mandalorian. Yep, for sure. And it's crazy to think we'll only have one more episode to cover for Book of Boba because the Wednesday is the finale. So kind of freaking crazy with what's been going on. Um, But one thing that really bugged me about the flashback, I mean, I guess it makes sense to the story or whatever, but... So while he's gone, getting double-crossed by the Pikes, the saying he spent the money on protection with the Nikto speed bikers, the same guys that he beat up in that bar. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, those guys that they did pay went and massacred the entire Tuscan tribe that had invited Boba to be part of them. Which, to me, is very confusing. There was not a single Nikto that I saw dead how I, I'm kind of curious how they got massacred as bad as they did when they were well, actually any, decent fighters. Any of the bikers that got uh, killed probably would have been taken off with the surviving bikers. So I, I don't think that that's much of an issue there. However, you do bring up a good point. Like, I mean, how many of them were there? Like, this is what the Tuscans <laughs> do. Like, they sit there and basically snipe people with their rifles. And yet, these bikers were... And it's not like they don't understand the, 
speed bikes. Like, they've driven on them. They know how to operate them. So they understand the mechanics of how they move and all that sort of stuff. So the I, I kind of like to know how that would have played. Was it like a sneak attack at night? It almost had to have been something along those lines, um, logically, for it to kind of carry. In yeah, my it was just... It was just weird because it's like you see them, you see him coming back on the Bantha, and the whole place is on fire, and you're like, "Well, I guess that's the end of the Tuscan storyline." That's as Drew left. says, not just the men, but the women and the children too. <laughs> oh, that was so sad when he built the funeral pyre and was oh, throwing yeah. the kid's stick on it. Yeah, like come on, and, man. Yeah, that was that the whole the whole tuscan story arc was fantastic because um this this was where it ended up kind of ultimately resolving but we've seen these characters you know uh, episode one the phantom mist the original trilogy we've seen these snips and pieces of these tuscan raiders so it was cool getting to see go through um you know their culture and kind of how they live and just the way they work. And then ultimately seeing kind of their demise. It was kind of a nice little story arc for, for the Tuscans that ultimately ended sadly for them, but the story itself was well done. Well, I think the biggest thing about that flashback and the storyline with the Pikes in the flashback is the fact that, Boba hates the Pikes, and now in the present time, he's back to battling the Pikes. So he's already got history. He already hates them. There's no way he's backing down from them. So that kind of just lead, led straight into right. the next part, which is the Pike Syndicate is taking over Tatooine. Basically, here's what I got. The Huts. So in this episode, awesome fight. The Huts send Black Carasantan. Carasantan? Carasantan. Santo, as uh, she's called, <laughs> to kill Boba Fett in his palace. Mm-hmm. Um, Great fight scene, did by not, the way. Awesome fight scene. I, I love watching Boba use his Tuscan Goffy stick to fight with. Yeah. Just imagine that giant pointy ball being stabbed into you all the, over and over. Yeah. Good thing he was a, a Wookiee. But that fight scene ultimately ended, you know, with not Boba fighting himself. <laughs> it took what, like... Two Gam Guards, four uh, body modificators, gang members, yep. uh, Finnick, and Boa to, to take down Black Kirsten. So, pretty awesome fight scene. But that also led to basically the Huts coming, the Hut twins coming, and bringing Boba a gift. And how freaking cool is the gift? Um, basically saying, we're sorry we tried to kill you. We're not going to try to kill you anymore. We're actually going to leave. Right. Um, the Pikes are taking over Jabba's territory, and we're just going to let them have it. And we suggest you leave. But uh, which obviously he said no to. But the main, all that led to basically them giving him a freaking calf rancor. Yes. Which how cool? And how it, freaking cool is like, that? Like as big as it was, and it still had never seen anyone because as they go on to explain, like had the blinders on and the first person it sees is the person that it kind of bonds with. So that's, that's another thing. And arguably my favorite thing about the book of Boba up through this point is the history of all these characters and, um, creatures that we had seen before, but just not really got to know. 
And so it was fun getting to see the baby Rancor and learn a little bit more about their history and kind of how, like, it was like, why did Jabba keep a Rancor? Like, how how did this happen? Well, now we kind of get an idea of how that might have happened and... Um, that they're somehow loving creatures. <laughs> right, yeah. That only attack when they're attacked. They're so cute and cuddly. Right? I. You know what? The whole time I thought... Also, very awesome Danny Trejo in Star Wars now as the Rancor Handler. Yeah. But the entire time I didn't trust him because it felt like he was going to take that off and the Rancor was going to attack him. Just the look on his face. But then I realized the second time I watched it that Danny Trejo, I think that his character... The way he was talking about the Rancor, I think that when he was with the Huts, he was promised that the calf would imprint on him, and then it wasn't, so he's kind of upset about it. But I, I'm, you know. I'm not sh- mm, I, I kind of see your argument there, but... So, uh, Drew kind of mentioned chat about the Rancor Keeper in Jabba's Palace, you know, from Return of the Jedi. Um, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Like, Sure. The the Rancor Keepers, like, they have a... I, I, I think it's more than just the first person they see that they have the strongest bond with. There is kind of... It's like a hierarchy. Like, for example, me and the Soldier Female, uh, we have dogs, right? Well, um, like Beagle Squadron, for example, like, I'm kind of the primary one that they kind of primary master trainer the one they run to first right and but at the same time they also listen to my wife so it's it's kind of a similar pet hierarchy thing i think with the rancor i think that's probably a pretty good um comparison correlation yeah is just that they that they're kind of pets uh they're kind of like um like maybe pit bulls or you know some other like dog that you can actually that you can train to fight really well or that's strong or something like that um i kind of think that's that's kind of what they remind me of they give them a little bit more personality here yep makes sense to me so um, so now we're going to now we just got to wait and find out, you know, what the hell's going to happen with this rancor because there was a there was a moment where uh I got this down in the easter eggs. I'll just say it now and we can skip the easter eggs cuz this is the only one I had for the episode. But the rancor handler does say mentioned that the Dathmer witches yes. commonly rode rancors. Yeah, that's So that's crazy. talking correlation to the the night sisters. So basically what he said was I want to write it. This this actually <laughs> makes me want, um, like speeders and ground ships in Swaga, because I want I want my Daka riding in on a Rancor to, you know, to do whatever that game mode would be. That would be fun. Say that again. What? You do not pay attention, I swear. I'm reading chat and losing a... I, I said in Swaga it would be fun to have, like, Daka riding in on a Rancor if we ever got, oh. like, land ships. Well, yo, the vehicles everybody wants? Yes, vehicles. That's Give me a Rancor to ride. Yeah. There you go. Um, That'd be awesome. So, uh, the other kind of thing with that scene is Black 
Kirsten I have no idea if I'm pronouncing it correctly, but it was almost like a kind of prisoner exchange, but mm-hmm. that the Hutts didn't particularly care about him coming back, so he just kind of was basically freed to go on his own, which we will see if maybe that pays dividends in the future, the fact that Boba released him um, rather than killing him or doing anything else that you might do, you know, to somebody that tries to kill you. The good news for Kirsten Tan is that Boba was also a bounty hunter and he knows how it goes. Right. And that was the conversation they had. Yeah. But the other thing that kind of surprises you in this scene is that we find out that the mayor and the assassination attempt at the very beginning in the first episode wasn't the Hutts. The first one. The first one was the Pikes. Yes. Kersantan was the Huts. So, yeah, everybody was coming at Boba. <laughs> now the Huts aren't, and now it's just the Pikes. So, exactly. Um. So then the other part to the episode is his new workers. Um. At the beginning of the episode, a tribute complained to Boba in his court about people stealing his water and making his work impossible. To which Boba got all armored up at night and went out to find these people. And basically he found a group of young young people, or teenagers, college kids. I sound old when I say this. I don't know. Younger people, speeder bike gang, basically, that use uh, droid parts to modify their bodies, right? Um, but he ends up... He he keeps telling them what to do, and they are not listening. And then eventually, he uh, recruits them to work for him. And uh, yeah, so now he's got this group. Everyone calls them the Power Rangers because their bikes are all like super. I gotta say, <laughs> I kind of see what colored. they're going for, but it feels so out of place in this show. The young biker gang, just the colored bikes i don't know i just it felt mm, what's the word forced maybe i don't know i just i i feel yeah, like well, they looked out of place that's for so, sure i feel maybe like that's what they're going for I, and that that is true i mean I, I think the characters themselves are meant to be out of place which is part of the entire point of it however it there's been so many things uh, that i would say through the first four episodes for sure of the book of Boba, where it just really felt like things were out of place. It didn't feel like it was well put together. Like we'd seen from season one, two of the Mandalorian. It was a lot more kind of cut up and kind of pieced together and just not as maybe fluid and flowy. And this was just kind of one of those other things that made me feel that way. It was just kind of, it was like there was this idea that they decided to implement it that maybe didn't entirely work with it. Um, Although just writing the notes for this episode, it's all over the place because I don't really remember which things happened in which order for this episode. So So I can totally get what you're saying. So so this part happened earlier because they were obviously there whenever Kirsten tried to come kill Boba. So at that point, they had already kind of been recruited, right? Yeah. So... Mm -hmm. Plus, at the end, basically, they wind up uh, chasing down the mayor's major domo because the mayor had left the planet. Basically, basically, the yes. mayor promised 
promised the planet to the uh, Pikes Syndicate and then left. And then uh, the, Bobo went to find the mayor and he had left, but he didn't know that because the mayor's majordomo to tried to try to run, run off in a speeder, and uh, the uh, droid body modificator gang <laughs> chased him down. That was the part that. But okay, can I just say this? That speeder chase seemed so slow. Like they looked like they were going 15 miles an hour through Mos Espa. Like if you compare that speeder chase to Solo speeder chase, it was like two different speeders, uh, the, two different speeds. And that's kind of the stuff I'm talking about. It was just, it was, the idea was there. I didn't feel like it was done poorly well. executed. Yeah. I feel yeah. like so much in these first three episodes, especially, has kind of just been kind of poorly executed. Um, and whether, like, I don't know how much the writing necessarily has to do with that, but it does. I don't know. It's just I've had so many mixed feelings between parts that are so interesting, like the stuff with the Rancor and you know, kind of some of the political stuff going on, like a lot of that stuff's interesting. And then you have these random scenes where it's just out of place. And like you mentioned, the, the speeder bike with the, you know, 20 freaking mirrors on it. Like how many mirrors do you need on a speeder? Like (laughs) it's like a wall of different mirrors, different sizes. It's like all this shit was just kind of pieced together on there. And I, I don't know. It just it, it so much of it just felt silly. I just it was hard to get. I I feel like everyone agreed with you because that was the meme of the episode for the entire next week after that episode was all the the speeder bike gang memes, all the Power Ranger stuff, all yeah. the all those. Memes here's what they out. were. Here's what they were trying to imply with all the mirrors on the little Vespas is. Like, each mirror looks into the past differently. So, like, it's like once you get through these first four episodes, everyone's going to look back on it. And it's going to look jacked up in a different way for every single person who watched it because there are so many ways it's screwed up. Depending on which <laughs> mirror you look into, it's like, oh, well, that was, you know. I, maybe maybe that's kind of the analogy they were going for. I don't know. Um but maybe it'll all come together in the end. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. Uh, so go by ahead. the way, since we now now we've talked kind of about that gang showing up, they were actually surprised me with their fighting skills at least when they were came in to help Boba against Kirsitan. Right. And because I was like, he's gonna throttle these kids. And he didn't. He did a little bit. But he didn't, like, destroy them with them not doing anything. So, So, and that part I thought was actually pretty cool. So you have these super techie guys with all this, all these weird modifications they've made to their body, which, like, we've seen modifications done to people, but usually it's in, like, out of necessity way. Um, For example, Luke's hand and something else. And not taken from a droid. They're built for humans. Like these days, right. were like, I pulled this eye off a droid and I want it on me now. You know, it's just yeah, very weird. Uh, yeah, I agree. It just and, and you know maybe that's kind of the world they live in. That's kind of 
it's <laughs> these are kind of like the lower class people there so they're kind of finding whatever they can find because they want this kind of newer technology or whatever and so they're kind of modifying whatever they can to kind of get an advantage to hopefully be able to do something with it I'm just not sure if they had any goals on like how this is going to help them in the real world other than if you're going around <laughs> beating people up. Like maybe that's look, the entire goal, but I, I don't know. I look at it like like anything in the real world, right? Kids rebelling, doing the things that are not considered to be socially acceptable and doing them just to piss off the people that they are angry at. Yeah, yeah. so that's a good point. And before we get to episode four, because that's about it for three, I just want to say there is a reason that we find out in episode four, at least I believe, a reason that he um, has love for <laughs> these these kids. And uh, it's kind of explained, I think, in episode four. So let's go. I, I agree. Um, <laughs> and so why don't we... Go ahead. Yeah, no, go ahead and start us off uh, episode four. All right. So we'll jump into episode four because this kind of, I have the flashback first and foremost for episode four, and it kind of leads into what I was just saying. So basically now that Boba's, the Tuscan tribe is dead and Boba is once again left to his own devices and alone, it's just, by the way, the uh, the relationship between Boba and the Bantha was awesome. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that, that that's another example, kind of what I was talking about, about these creatures that we've always seen in Star Wars, but never really got to really experience. And that is the one thing that the Book of Boba has done exceptionally well through these first four episodes. And the Bantha is no different. Yeah, because who would have thought that when a bantha's happy, it wags its tail like a dog? Right, yeah. <laughs> like, they just seem like this large, stupid animal that just wanders around, but showed a little bit of personality, and, like, I thought that was really cool. By, by the way, my wife, when we watched the episode, when he threw the meat in her, in the bantha's mouth and started chewing, she's like, why do banthas chew like camels? You know, that whole, like, sideways chew oh, thing, yeah. not up and down? <laughs> I mean... That cracked me up. Yeah. It's a fair yeah, question. Jaws, but they are a desert work that way. sea camel, so... Yeah, maybe that's where they got it from. Maybe that would yeah. make sense, actually. Um, so, basically, the flashback starts with Boba wandering alone. Uh, he makes his, makes his way to Jabba's palace looking for his ship. Um, he realizes there's too many guards for him to be able to get in there and steal his ship. Um, so he goes and wanders some more, but as he does, we wander upon the whole end of one of the episodes in Mandalorian where he, we don't know it's him in that episode, but it's the episode where he walks up and finds Fennec Shand with a shot in her gut. Which we had suspected it was Boba who found her. Mm -hmm. And eventually like there were more hints that became a little bit more obvious that was the case, but Mm-hmm. Um, so we effectively knew that, but we didn't know, like, she got shot, like, what happened to her? She's in the middle of the freaking desert. Why doesn't she die? Um, all of those questions that were kind of left hanging in the balance previously from, was it season two of Mando? Uh, we ultimately get answers to, which I thought was really, really well done, especially with the tie And surprising. And surprising. <laughs> Um, 
but ultimately with the tie-in with the mechanical parts with the speeder bike people um they did a really good job kind of connecting all these parts and showing this new thing kind of in star wars of this human modification thing that's not just out of necessity but out of fun and in this instance of course ends up being out of necessity um but i I thought that was a great tie-in it's super cool to see uh i thought it was awesome that the guy that they he took her to to do the body modification had a b2 battle droid arm as one of his arms oh yeah it's like it's not very effective with three ginormous fingers for doing precise mechanical work but he managed to get the job done and then it's crazy to think that this entire time we've known Finnick since she was shot, she has her whole entire chest, which is always covered, of course, is filled with mechanical parts that keep her alive. Yep. And it was like, when that happened, you're like, that's how she's still alive. He basically replaced her whole entire organ system with uh, mechanical parts. So, hey, that guy's apparently More got machine now than human. Yes, exactly. <laughs> she's part. She's na- she's now part of the Matrix. The Matrix. Um, I don't. I don't know. I was trying. Anyways, <laughs> that was a Vader reference. I'm saying on Star Wars, sir. Oh my! Ba- oh, <laughs> you, you know, I know you weren't. Re- <laughs> I know. I know you weren't referencing Star Wars, but I just took it to Matrix anyway. You knew I wasn't referencing the Matrix. You mean? That's what I meant to say. Yeah, you're you're off tonight. It's okay. Have you oh, yeah, have geez. you seen the new Matrix movie? I have not. I still need. Uh, you see, I want to see the new Matrix movie, but it's been so long since I've seen the originals. I want to rewatch the original trilogy and then watch it. So yeah, I haven't taken the time yet. I have not seen but, it yet either, but I need to. Since it's on HBO, and so are the other Matrixes, I feel like at one point on a Saturday I'll just binge everything. Is it Matrixes it. or Matrices? I think you're right. Matrices. Matrices. So. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway. Um, yeah, back to this. Uh, they worked together. So in the flashback, we keep continuing. He's now saved Fennec Sean. She doesn't know why. She doesn't know who he is. She He tells her who he is, and she doesn't believe him. She says, Boba Fett's dead, basically. Escape podcast, raiding with a party. What's up, guys? Thanks for hey. coming over. Not a lot of swaga over here today. We're talking about Book of Boba. So if you just got here and you have not caught up on Book of Boba, there's going to be spoilers. We're talking about episode four right now, but we're going to move all the way to through episode six. So I just want to warn you guys before you jump in here and, and get involved. But it's good to see you guys. So Awesome. Um, but they, so basically he tells her she's Boba. She doesn't believe him. Basically he proves it to her and... They decide, they decide that she'll help help him to get the slave one or the fire spray back, no, and that'll uh, that'll cover her debt. And so, um, right. yeah. And there you go, and on a little adventure to save the slave one. So I thought that that whole scene was really well done. So so many of the action scenes up until this point have actually been really good, other than like the Vespa chase kind of that we talked about. And this was this whole thing with them kind of going into the palace, kind of sneaking through, 
it's like uh, kind of a sneak mission. You kind of get caught. You got to figure out, you know, how to shift and stay with it and still get to the ship. Um, I, like that whole sequence kind of had a little bit of everything. It was like James, bon- James Bonzi with the sneaking around. And then you have the shootout where we get to the fire spray. Then you have the ship trying to take off. They're trying to figure out how to get out of there and, you know, get the door opened. This was something that I had never noticed before. I don't know if this was like something they changed thematically to make it work in the show, but that but that door was one that went from the ground up mm-hmm. and not from you know up the top down. down. Um you know cuz she was able that to cut the counterweight weird. and the what? That whole ship is weird because I thought in Mando they showed them when it's flat sitting one way and then as it moved to go sideways that the the seats moved. But in this episode, they didn't move at all. So mm-hmm. there's just... I have some irregularities with the Slave One that I have a lot of questions about. But uh, yeah, so they got it back. And then uh, basically what happens is they go to the Sarlacc pit. So this was interesting, right? We watched him lucid after he got out of the Sarlacc pit, lucid enough to get out of the Sarlacc pit, but laying in the sun for a long time. And then the Jawas steal his armor. And then after he gets back the slave one, he wants to go back to the Sarlacc pit to look for his armor. So he must've been so sunbaked at that point. That's he couldn't remember anything. That's the only thing that makes sense. Like part of me wonders just because that did feel so out of place, given what we saw that, like, was it bad writing? Was it something they forgot about? Or did they just want to go back to the Sarlacc pit? Was Were they using that as kind of a cheap excuse to write in going back to the Sarlacc pit? I just, like, I, I wasn't, I didn't feel very convinced on that one. Um, that he would actually I was, yeah, I was, be. I was very confused, confused why they went back there. Yeah. I'm like, did he not know? He had to have been, like, so out of it from heat exhaustion that he just couldn't remember. Right. But it led to a That's... pretty cool scene, basically finally killing fun scene. the Sarlacc. I, I guess I thought he killed it when he climbed out of it with all the fire, but apparently he just damaged it enough to be able to crawl yeah, out. Yeah, probably just pissed it off, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Pissed it off enough that he tried to grab the, uh, the Slave One and pull it down inside. But how about the, uh, what do they call that thing? The... Uh, Ionic bomb? What do they call those things? I know they have it. He has a move with it in the oh, Swugga. Yeah. Um, Chat will seismic. know. Chat, what is... I think it's a seismic s- charge. Seismic charge. There, there you go. Is. Yeah. That was pretty pretty, uh, pretty awesome. Watching the seismic charge go off inside of the Sarlacc. Yeah. Kill it. That was awesome. Yeah. That, that whole scene I was a big fan of. I just... The, the path that got us there. That's Why they an, were there is the That's another the one of the things, like like we've mentioned through these first four episodes, where it's just kind of clunky story writing um, that gets us good scenes, but it just feels not pieced together real. It, it feels like the final season of Game of Thrones. That is the best way to describe these first four episodes. Like, there's a lot of really fun, great stuff that goes on, 
But the tying everything together just seems so forced and unfluid like the previous seasons were. That's kind of how yeah. I feel. No, I can see that for sure. It's 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 had its problems while still being good. You know what I mean? Like I don't hate Book of Boba. It's just very confusing that we are on the next week's the I believe next week's the final episode and the last two leading into that final episode had very little to do with Boba. So so yeah. they which we'll kind of get to this here shortly. They advertised the Book of Boba as Mandalorian season 2.5 effectively, which yeah. starts to make sense. And there's a lot that they kind of have to get through because there's so much backstory that I think they need to get to before we get to Mandalorian season three. And that is the entire purpose of the Book of Boba because they wanted to hit this, this story that they had but there was this big gap in between where it's like, okay, they need to understand what is going on here and who these people are and why they're fighting them. And that's kind of the impression I'm getting. We'll see with the finale of episode seven. Um, but that's kind of what I've been thinking so far. Um, yeah, I'm with you. And I think that whatever happens in this will lead to important storylines or alliances that happen in the next season of Mando. Yes, so 100%. it's probably all, all John Favreau does a great job of tying everything together. Him and Dave Filoni as, as the, the, the minds behind all of this, they're doing an amazing job despite maybe some of the directing miscues in some of these episodes that I think that overarching wise, it's going to all make sense to us. I, I have to so. say, I, I have to wonder it like how hands on they were with the Book of Boba versus the Mandalorian, because this is effectively two seasons they got out in one year, rather than one season per year. Like there is a lot more going on by them getting out the Book of Boba and the Mandalorian both, uh, you know, kind of a little bit later than usual. So they did buy themselves a little extra time in there, but. It does feel like there there was some disconnect. Almost like episodes 7 through 9, how it seemed like there was a storyline that, that they wanted to go with, but as they handed the pages to the next person, there were changes, you know, as they went along. And I kind of think that that's... That's kind of what has happened in this specific season, uh, Book of Boba. So, yep, I'm with you. But I, it was uh, it was very it was very what's the word? It made you happy. I, I can't think of the right word. But watching him take Slave One and massacre the Nikto speed bikers. That had taken out his clan of that was Tuscanators. Fun. Yeah, I was like, yeah, let them yes. have it. All right, that was great. So. Yeah, that like I said, there's so much fun stuff in these episodes, so much, oh, yeah. and that was absolutely one of them. And the coolest part right before that is where Mando asks Finnick where she wants to be dropped off, and she's like, you know what? 
I'll go for the ride. Basically saying, you know what? I'm going to hang out with you. And that's all right. You know, Boba straight up kind of offers her in on the cut. Like, it's not like I'll pay you to work for me type thing. He's like, okay. No, he's like, I'll offer you loyalty. Meaning if you have my back, then I got your back. Right. And. And she calls him soft. (laughs) Yeah. Which is probably fair. But um, I do think that's probably pretty important to Boba's character because. You know, um, we hadn't seen... He does... I don't want to say the word soft for Boba, because I feel like if you piss him off, he'll just murder you. But he is... Like, he went to fight those those that biker gang. And then he's like, you know what? Hey, have a job. You know? Well, and when he works with the crime families, it's not like, let me just chop this guy's head off in front of everyone to prove my point. No, he's like... No, I'm going to prove it to you. Like, basically, he's doing everything that Jabba didn't. And obviously, that's why these, everyone wonders if he's going to make it. Because he does has he's doing things differently. But I feel like he feels like... Okay, let me let me go back. I Let me see where it is. Oh, it's the next part here. Oh, no, it's not the next part, but it's part of this episode. We finally learn why Boba decided to not be a bounty hunter. He thinks he can do it better. And these are the words he says. He's tired of his kind dying because of the idiocy of others, and he's smarter than them. And he's trying to show through his actions and the way he does things that he's smarter than Jabba the Hutt and anyone else that's ever hired him to do a job that's put him in danger, just like the twin Huts did with Kersantan that would have killed him. Yeah. You know? So. Well, and he's experienced you know, taking jobs, effectively being a subcontractor rather than a partner on something. And he knows how expendable they can be. And he, you know, he probably knows that, um, like, he's always kind of been loyal for the most part as far as on a job, as far as what we've seen with his work with the Empire. Um, and it, he kind of wants to move away from that and be, like I said, less subcontractory and more, more of a partner with anyone that he's working with, which is totally understandable. Yeah, Drew, he's a mob try- boss trying to get loyal workers that won't kill him. Absolutely. Sure. And Joker, he's trying to be a higher class mob boss. That's yes. Exactly. Yeah, so both yeah for sure. Yeah, um, No doubt. Because, I mean, he's seen what happened, you know, with um, with Jabba. You know, he's ex- he's got experience working with different people uh, and, and kind of seeing how those things ended up going. So all that experience has brought him into thinking that this is probably the best way to go, which we'll see. Maybe it is, maybe it's not. So the last part of the episode that was kind of uh, building for the main storyline, a plot of the current time, is basically him preparing for war with the Pike yeah. Syndicate. Because he's like, this is going to pop off. I already know it. And uh, right now, I yep. have two Gamorrean guards and a bunch of body modded uh, youths. <laughs> so yeah. that's not going to be enough for me. So basically, he goes back to the, the cantina in Mos Espa to talk to Black Kersantan, to which he finds him in there fighting a group of Trandoshans. 
just I didn't ex- I didn't understand this at first, and then I saw someone do a video explaining it, and it makes perfect sense to me. Okay, but basically, he's sitting there drinking, getting drunk, getting more and more pissed off, watching these four Trandoshans just continue drinking, having fun, making money at the gambling tables. Yep. And basically, he goes up and beats the living crap out of all of them, ending with him ripping the arm off of one of them by the way showing just how ruthless wookies can be oh, yeah. and you've heard them say uh, say the same type of things about chewbacca about him he can rip your arm off in a second if he wants to yeah. things like that well now we've seen it well and uh one might say so. he disarmed that trandoshan yeah <laughs> the 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 uh the trandoshan with no weapons he totally disarmed yeah 100 <laughs> percent but the video I watched talking about this, it or makes total sense in going back on it. Trandosha and Kashyyyk, in the same area of the pl- where planets, they're right next to each other. And over the years, Trandoshans hunted Wookiees forever and basically turned them in, killed them for sport and took their pelts. And if you think back to episode one, when they were doing the tributes, the Trandoshans showed up to Jabba's palace and gave a Wookiee pelt to Boba Fett. So the whole thing there is Kirsten Tan hates Transdotions because of the history between their two planets and the fact that Transdotions generally have gone after Wookiees and just killed them for fun. And so huh. drunk, drunk Kirsten Tan was just looking at these dudes, no matter who they were, what they were doing, whether they were the ones that were the problem or not. He's just like, you know what? Screw these guys. And right. you know where that wound up. So, right. I, mean, I mean, effectively getting payback on, on them because of their race and not actually their actions, which <laughs> problematic Kirsten Tan. Come on, get together. man. <laughs> But basically, after showing that sign of strength, as long with the fight against Boba in the earlier episode, right? Um, you see Boba offering him a job, saying, "Hey, I need money. You're a, you're a very strong, powerful arena champion. Apparently, we find out as well as a bounty hunter. So, Racked up a fat bill at the bar. <laughs> yes. Well, <laughs> one thing I also heard about the comics books with Kirsten Tan is this is a this is a pattern with him." of just attacking random Trandoshans. So throughout the comics, he does it all the time. So that is another okay. reason apparently why it happened. But so, so it's right up now, his alley personality yeah, wise. So that's just what he does. Um, but yeah, now he has brought in, so now you've got the two Camorian guards. You've got the, the biker gang. Yep. You've got black Kirsten Dan. Yep. Um, but uh, yeah, that's still not a lot. Uh, can't convince. So basically, he goes in and he tries to convince the crime families now, right? Mm-hmm. You've got the Aqualish, you've got the Trandoshan crime family, and then I can't, I don't know, they're not Weequay, I don't think. They might be Weequay. There's a third family. If you guys know in chat what that third family is of the crime lords, anyways, he's talking to them and he's trying to convince them to join him in the fight against the Pike Syndicate. And uh, basically, they're like, why would you think that we are loyal to you? Which obviously Bubba doesn't. That's why they're there. Right. So when they start talking about possibly killing them himself, that's when the Rancor decides to pop up through the floor vents that are right under the... Yeah. Specifically placed right <laughs> under the table that they're sitting at. 
Um, yeah, which ultimately leads. Yeah, I love the little fingers, and he's just like, <clears throat> "All right, buddy, here, take this meat. You're good." <laughs> That's his pet, you know. So, um, basically, it ends up with him saying, "You know what? Don't fight with me. That's fine. All I ask is that you don't stab me in the back, and you don't get involved, and I'll take care of this problem so that we can all prosper or whatever." Right. And they actually agree to that. So he can't convince them to fight with him now. And basically the end of the episode ends with Boba mentioning they still need more muscle. And Finnick, Sean, says, we just need the right credits and to know the right people to hire. And immediately after she says that to end the episode, the Mandalorian theme song plays. And you're like, oh, is the next episode going to have the Mandalorian in it? Who could that be? Interesting. <laughs> Who could that song be mentioning? Interesting. So, oh. <clears throat> um, like you mentioned, this, um, he basically, Boba gets kind of fully healed in this episode, and that has been their pathway to flashbacks. So, that is kind of, seems like maybe their hint that there will be no more of those fingers crossed which part uh him being healed and oh yeah yeah yeah, for sure that's what i thought you were mentioning but obviously i missed the first part yeah the the, the fully healing thing feels like okay well we're done with flashbacks and we didn't get any in the episode five and six so i think that last episode is all action which i am all for um no doubt the up other Easter eggs, like you said, with the the healed, no more flashbacks. Uh, he never calls his ship by name in the episode. So anytime he talks about Slave One, he calls it my fire spray gunship or the fire. This, my, yeah, basically. Did he actually calls call it, it my fire spray gunship? He does. He said when he was talking to Finnick, he said that uh, Bib Fortuna has his fire spray gunship. And then she asks, you know. Why don't you just go ask him back, ask him for it since it's mm. yours. And he says, uh, if he doesn't give me the answer I want, <laughs> I'm afraid of what I'll do. Interesting. You know? So, but yeah, I never called it by name, obviously. Um, and then the last thing for those Clone Wars fans, a live action LEP droid or the, the rat catcher in this episode. First time in uh first time that droid has been on screen. Besides animation, you see it all the time in animation, but first time you saw it on screen, it was, excuse me, pretty damn funny watching Boba try to chase it around. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, um, that pretty much covers episode four. So, I guess now we'll move into um, season Book three, episode one, or yeah, whatever you want to call it, because... This is kind of where they start to kind of tie things in with what they'd mentioned before with the Book of Boba being uh, season 2.5 of The Mandalorian because everything up until this point had kind of been backstory filler so that we can kind of get back to wherever season 3 is going to go. Um, I don't I know feel like what... I- I feel Go like ahead. it definitely needed this before going into season three because this this establishes a timeline between those 
that end of that show and wherever season three starts right to add time and you don't expect mando to just start where that ended you expect right. after book of bova's timeline for that episode that show to start and you've seen all of mando what he's been doing without grogu and that show can start in a place where you're like not wondering where grogu was you're not like wondering how boba fett handled himself without you know his little buddy so yeah it works out pretty well so um how did this episode start um so basically the episode starts with like literally i told my wife because we watched it uh last night because we had two episodes to watch and it started last night and i we she had not seen three and four yet Okay. So last yesterday we watched three and four and then watched five and six. So I rewatched three and four. And after four ended, I told my wife, I'm like, did that sound familiar to you? And she's like, she just looked at me and goes, are we going to see, Bo- are we going to see Mando in the next episode? And obviously I knew from, I'd been spoiled with five that Mando was in it, uh-huh. but I didn't know how it started. And yeah. so we, st- we went straight from four into five and the first scene of the show, the door the door opens, and here comes Mr. Silver Armor yep. walking through the door. Uh, basically, Mando found a bounty target, and uh, he was going to get his bounty one way or another. But I thought about this yesterday, and I want to throw this out there just real quick um, before we get into where this goes. Mando's armor shiny silver beskar right and any other mando you've seen is not so shiny it's not it's got paint on it different uh, clans and different stuff have paint on it to cover to just show what mandalorian they are i kind of wondered you know this is gonna maybe this is out there phasma right in the new trilogy Built up before the first movie and came out to be a complete badass, super awesome. She's the one, she's the stormtrooper in the shiny silver armor that you were supposed to think was a badass. She was cool. I love her books, but in the movies, she didn't shine at all, right? But then we get Mando in the same type of armor, who is a complete and utter badass. And I just kind of wonder if they took that idea from Phasma and put it onto Mando to make what was already a good idea and expand that idea into something awesome. Yeah. Yeah, possibly. Um, I mean, I I think I can actually kind of explain it away, you know, I mean, it's from a construction standpoint of, you know, taking a metal metal and polishing it and making it all shiny and pretty versus slapping some paint on it, uh, roughing it up. And painting it, and then as the paint flakes off, it's not going to be shiny because it had to be roughed up so the paint would adhere to it. And I do, you know, that could actually explain the difference between, like, say, Boba's armor that's scuffed up and looks rough versus the Mandalorian's, which is beautiful because it has been polished to perfection. Well, either way, he looked awesome walking into... Yeah, he did. As, who said it here? Drew said, Joker says the slaughterhouse yeah. or the frozen veggie section of Costco, as Drew describes it. I I was going to call it the dog pound uh, because 
pretty sure those were all like pit bull heads on humans. <laughs> Dude, right? Weird. Like that. There. That is like I am a hundred percent sure that is where those guys came from. Was somebody had a pit bull and was like, "That is a great face for something in Star Wars." And I went I went in for the from. ostrich Star Wars uh, aliens. It's coming. <laughs> Never um. So basically, he walks into this giant freezer slaughterhouse place, finds their boss, knows he's his bounty target, and they will not go without a fight. Well, Mando's up for a fight, right? Well, turns out Mando is apparently up for a fight with a weapon that he has no experience using and is very bad with. Um, he used the dark saber to dark saber to slaughter. This guy's entourage, and then end up ends up cutting this dude in half, off in a table, in what can only be described as the clunkiest saber fight I've ever seen, including so a section where he so clunky. I know where you're going. Yes, to to where he actually damages himself. Um, yes, the dark saber gets a gets a hold of his leg to a small degree, um, as we find out later. Uh, but yeah, the, this, so this whole scene was kind of interesting because at first you're like, whenever I'm watching this, I'm kind of wondering, okay, so I remember what happened at the end of season two. Like, wh- where is this in the timeline? What's going on here? And then you see Mando bring out the dark saber. So that tells you, you know, it's after he had gotten that. Um, so uh, he's also there collecting a bounty. So he's gone back to bounty hunting. So you're like, all right, Mando, man, what are you doing? Like, what, what what's going on here? <laughs> Thought you were um, done with this. Thought that's right. what you said. So. so uh, but we find out why he did this specific bounty. We did. We did. And because it was an interesting um, payout. Yeah, so he takes the the head of this bounty back to a group that continues to hound him about wanting to continue hiring him for jobs. All he wants is the information that she promises. He doesn't even want the payout. All he wants is the information she has. And what we find out when, (laughs) well, you find out when she finally gives him the information is that the information led him to where his old Mandalorian tribe was hiding in the underground of what can only be described, at least to me, as a halo ring. So, <laughs> hey, I that, yeah. You... I, I was actually thinking the Citadel from uh, uh, Mass Effect. <laughs> yeah, see? It's always a ring yes. with the, the people living on the inside. Yep. I'm, Using the rotation like, as gravity. And, I'm yeah. like, if this ties into the Paramount Plus Halo series, I'll be super stoked. <laughs> <laughs> nice. But uh, yeah, so. He, in the underground of this halo ring, so basically the outer part of the ring, you fi- he finds the armorer and that big-ass Mandalorian, who we finally found out his name, down there, and that is where they've been hiding since Navarro. I believe it was Navarro, the planet that they all fought uh, right. for him to get him out of there with Grogu. So um, basically they're kind of excited to see him at first. Um, he helps them rebuild the armorer's uh, forge. They, yep. you know, they kind of ask him what he's been doing. 
he ends up showing her his spear, uh, which well, is made of Beskar. Well, this is... I'm, I'm kind of skipping that part okay. because it's going to lead to the next part. Gotcha. But okay. He shows her the Darksaber, but he also shows her the spear, which she doesn't understand where he got a sp- complete spear made out of Beskar armor. But, uh, and did you notice the problems she had with the spear? Yes. So She's like, this shouldn't exist. Should not exist, period. Because Beskar is for defense, not offense. It could pierce a Mandalorian's Best- armor. So mm-hmm. I th- I thought that was actually that that was pretty cool. So now we know, you know, get a little bit more history on Beskar, and um, that's always kind of been a question I had. Like, if this shit's so strong, like, why aren't they using it for other stuff? Why aren't they building swords with it? Um, but this kind of answers that question as to why um, it's meant to be a defensive thing, which I assume is kind of some sort of cultural type thing rather than um like a logical reason i guess yeah basically to say they would never use it for that only the people who built that spear are the ones that are desecrating their beskar yeah uh in the end which you know she he promptly says basically he ends up asking her to smelt it down and he wants her to build something out of it. Yep. And when she asks for who he says for a foundling for a Mandalorian foundling, we later find out that he had built a present for Grogu. So Grogu is gone. He get, he finished his quest to give him to his people and he is not off of the Mandalorian's mind in the slightest dad syndrome. He's not ever, never going to, Never gonna forget his little boy. So no, um, he has the the armor build something for Grogu, and I have to wait and the rest of this episode and the next episode to find out what the frick it is. But so he used like he had her use Beskar to build something that fit in this small round sack. It's like right. is it a hel- helmet? What what is it? Because nothing logically that you would make out of Beskar makes any sense whatsoever. We the, so only, we have... the, the only thing I could think that it was was after she showed him the dark. He showed her the dark saber. Right, the dark saber's hilt was built out of Beskar. That's what she said. Yeah. So inside of that little bag, the entire time I thought what was built for Grogu ah. was a Beskar hilt for his lightsaber. Interesting. Hmm. But Interesting. that didn't wind up to be it. But I thought that would be Joker, that would have been the perfect present, right? Joker mentions that they showed some rings, which I do recall seeing, but I never put together what it was. Um they that showed... makes sense. Because my wife said, is he is she making chainmail? That's what my wife said to me, and I right. didn't know why she would ask that. So I guess, yeah, that may would make sense. I must have so missed that part. If you're paying enough attention and you're thinking logically, I never would have thought, because ultimately that's what it is, basically a chainmail shirt, um, armor, or whatever. But, uh, I mean, <clears throat> you've never seen that before. It makes sense. It's a, it's a really good idea. It's not going to be great against blasters, though. Um I wouldn't think because you could pierce it, could reflect like so 
so I mean, there's logical reason why you wouldn't generally want Beskar, but if that one big spear made this small deal of chainmail, like there's bound to be a lot of Beskar left, right? Yeah, I would think because that that doesn't seem to add up to a an entire spear, right? Who knows? Um, let's see what else we got here. Infro. Uh, oh yeah. So basically, once they show him the dark saber, we get a flashback to the night of a thousand tears, which was pretty awesomely done. Basically, Terminator. Terminator. What is that? Not what you thought when you saw that scene? Terminator. Oh, all the. Oh the yeah, yeah, Terminator. Yeah. No, no, it's not. <laughs> if I'm completely honest. I mean the. When the bombers were coming in and blowing up the entire city? No, no, the scene after that where everything's freaking burning and you have the K2 oh, yeah, 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 and yeah, yeah, the yeah. probe droids. Like, that part, I see what you're like, saying now. Yeah, like that's exactly what that, that scene looked a was lot thinking. like Terminator. It did, yeah. My wife said, why? She's like, haven't we seen that droid before and isn't it good? And I was like, not all of them. No. He's the only good one. Yep. So yeah, now I see. I totally see what you're saying with the 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 lights all flying around and yep. the Terminators going around. Which, but God, yeah, I sure. love Terminator. What a T two. What a great movie. You gotta love some Terminator. Uh, that was an awesome scene, though, to get to see. Basically, they put into film the Night of a Thousand Tears. So yes. that was cool. Yeah, but basically, th- they did a great job with spending. I mean. Hardly any time. I mean, what was it? That seemed maybe a minute, maybe, and mm-hmm. told you exactly what happened and gave you all this history that's so important. And it was like that. It was super quick, very well done. Stuff like that, the, like those type of flashbacks, because we, we've seen these before whenever, um, you know, Bando was actually a, became a foundling um they they did a similar sort of thing i think in season one uh these flashbacks these super quick flashbacks where they come they hit the point and then move on i love so good and well, i'm gonna need it's to, not I'm, like they're simple to film i don't think like th- there's a lot going on in those scenes you know so mm-hmm. um i like i'm really appreciative that they took the time to be as detailed as they were in that. Well, I'm going to need chat to tell me if I'm wrong on this because I believe this is how it went or maybe my timeline's off. So tell me if my timeline's off here, but I believe that Sabine gave the, uh, Sabine gave, didn't give it from combat. Sabine Ren gave the, the, uh, the dark Dark saber saber to to Bo-Katan. And that is what led right before the night of a thousand tears. Is that wrong? Because I believe that that is what set that into motion, according to the Mandalores, believing that because the Darksaber wasn't won in battle, it cursed the Mandalorians, and that is why the Empire destroyed their entire planet. Right. So the reason she said that is because the entire time, Mandalorian has the Darksaber, and I don't think they ever... Well, they did ask him if he wanted in combat, and he said he defeated Moff Gideon. And then they asked him if he was dead... Which I think when he said he wasn't, that kind of threw up some flags for yeah, them. Yeah, it did. Um, it absolutely did. So then, the so the other bigger Mandalorian that we 
did not know the name from of before is Paz Viz or yeah Paz Vizla, and if you know the history of the Dark Saber and pre Vizla, Tar Zizla Zizla Vizla is the guy who created the Dark Saber. So right. Paz here's he's thinking this guy doesn't deserve this thing. This this is built by my ancestors. I deserve to hold this, and he challenges Mando for the Dark Saber. Yeah. Um. Someone. Awesome thing I saw online about this fight. So basically, Mandalorian defeats uh, Pre Vizsla, mm-hmm. but the fight Pass. was very similar to Oberyn versus the Mountain. Ooh, <laughs> Ooh. Don't... Nice. I thought that I thought that tie in because obviously the Mando played Oberyn and yes. finding a Oberyn dude way Martel bigger than him and Game of using his mind. So yes. I thought that was pretty cool. Nice. Kind of a yeah. throwback. That's a good throwback. I like that. I like that uh, a lot. Because um, that was that was a really good scene. Uh, and, um, you know, a, another tie-in you could go with, uh, you know, with them talking about their heads coming off. And once again, once again, our boy. Man, no. It's like, you know, uh, you know what? My wife said. Lost me, his head in Game said, of Thrones and had to admit to losing his head here in Mando. So my wife's like, why didn't she just, he just lie to them. And I'm like, that is not the way. That, yeah, um, that is definitely not the way. And <laughs> I, I like the whole conversation that comes after that where it's, she's disappointed but it's almost like there's more of a trial for you. You're, you know, you're not completely banished, but it's, um, there's a redemption arc for you that you can go on, which I suspect we get in season three. Um, uh, so yeah, that, I, I thought that was pretty solid stuff. One thing I didn't mention as well throughout this fight before he fought Paz Vizsla was he was being trained with the Darksaber by the Armorer. And we yes. learned that as you fight with that thing, the more you fight with it, if you ha- don't have like some kind of... Reper- you, if You're basically fighting the Saber the entire fight if you are not using it correctly. Okay. And the fire, so, further, longer he fought, it got the heavier. Th- this is interesting. This is interesting. So... Hear me out. I think she is talking about the Force. The Force? Yes. Did you get uh, that impression too? Well, it sounds a lot like a lot of other training. Okay. So, you mean even in episode six, flash forward here with Grogu, feel the Force around you. Don't fight it, you know? Exactly. That's... And it's a it's an energy weapon. It's very similar to the, the dark saber, similar to lightsaber. Uh, she's talking about how you need to let it. Mm-hmm. I, I can't remember exactly how she phrased it, but let the weapon do. Don't fight against the weapon. Like let the weapon do the work for you. In a way, it's almost kind of the same sort of thing of 
letting seeing what's about to happen and then flowing into that rather than just kind of recklessly swinging around and trying to use your just your raw strength but just letting letting it guide you and that kind of makes me wonder because she mentioned that um Tarvisla, who created the Dark Saber, was a Mandalorian and also a Jedi. A so Jedi. I think that they're that that's obviously something that they're going for here is the user of the Dark Saber does kind of need to be able to tap into the Force in order to really be able to use that weapon and not get exhausted from it. Or at the very least, uh, so, not fight it. Even yes. if they can't use the force, figure out how to not let it encumber them, basically. Right. So I, I'm very curious to see where that that part of the story ends up going. Because you know with him having the Darksaber, he's going to figure out how to use it. And that's going to be a journey for him. Um, I'm going to go ahead and kind of talk briefly about episode six because that's something that I think is kind of interesting where you have Luke training Grogu and there are these Jedi they're going through the Jedi training and now we also have this tie-in with Mando with this dark saber that he needs to figure out how to use so I'm kind of wondering right if we'll see some sort of tie back into or sorry season three of the mandalorian where you have um grogu perhaps teaching mando uh some of the ability to use the force that's that's my prediction at least we'll kind of see where that goes but i kind of think that maybe what they're saying up here with the light or sorry the uh the dark saber um so let's see we talked about the the helmet coming off and um him basically unbecoming of being a mandalorian uh effectively kicked out of their covert um their guild whatever you want to call it i thought the Uh, name that paz called him was interesting right he called him an apostate Yeah, so basically he said, get out of here, apostate. You're not welcome here anymore. Right. If you don't know what an apostate is, it's a person who renounces a religious or political belief in or principle. And basically he's like, we are not welcome here anymore. And so the armor completely agreed because of the helmet thing. And then he was just, he's not, a, they she's not going to build thing. him anything. No. She's not going to build him anything anymore. He's not Until allowed. Until his redemption. Yes. Which, as they mentioned, I think it was the the, the mines on Man- Mandalore, which are not. You can't get to the mines on Mandalore to clear yourself of the whatever they call it. So supposedly, we'll see. Maybe that's the thing that's when we finally go back to Mandalore because I, I'm pretty sure that's happening. So yep. You know, so beneath the mines, I think it was. Yeah, that would make sense, Joker. Um. So next, he goes off from there. Uh, got his leg healed up, good to go. He's got his dark saber. He's learned some information. 
He got rid of the spear, got something for Grogu. Now he's heading out. Goes to go on a commercial flight. I don't know about you, but whenever he's checking all his weapons in, I am 100% expecting that Darksaber to not be there when he to opens disappear? the chest and they land. Jester Were you thinking said the same, the same thing? Chester said the same thing in chat, and I just agreed with him. Yeah, because oh. when he's checking all his weapons, I'm like, um, yeah. Put Doc Saber out of your sight seems like a very bad idea. I yes, know, because so. I mean, wasn't that like whenever he met Bo Katan, wasn't that what she was searching for? Like mm-hmm. she was trying to find the Dark Saber. It's, I mean, this thing is, it's pretty high profile and high demand. Like, what are you doing? Yes, exactly. Which is why when, Moff, going when you saw Moff Gideon with it. TSA is always tough. Yeah, TSA. Freaking uh, TSA. Ro- dude, droid TSA would be even worse. Especially yeah. for a guy who hates droids. Oh, so. no joke. <laughs> um, Now for the next coolest thing of this episode. And this is in current time. Peli Motto on Tatooine. So the lady with the, all the droids, you know, that yeah. little Grogu... He was taking care of his ship and re- in, uh, fixing it on Tatooine when he was there. She has a new ship for Mando. She Ooh. sent out a message to Mando. Hey, I got you. I got you a new ship. Uh, Mando. I got, no, no, no. She said, I have a replacement yes, for your Razor you Crest. A replacement for your Razor Crest. So what's Mando thinking? Another Razor Crest. Fantastic. Yeah. Turns out. Uh-oh. A, he got there earlier than she expected, and B, yes. it was not another Razor Crest. No, it was not. Most certainly but I'll, not. I'll tell you this. A, it was a surprise what it was, and B, how freaking cool is it? It's an N1 Naboo Starfighter. Yeah. This what? was awesome. <laughs> I so was... freaking cool. Yes. I Everything, every single thing to do with this whole scene is fantastic. I loved every bit of it. I'm I'm a construction guy. I like building stuff. So, like seeing this broken Naboo starfighter and them working on piecing it together, like there were remnants of Anakin putting together his pod racer here. Um, mm-hmm. You have like just so much stuff kind of going on in such a relatively simple scene, but this was super super fun. Uh, getting to see Mando actually work on it. You have the jo- the stuff of the Jawas was hilarious. <laughs> Where would you steal this from? Yeah, oh, it was underneath a about- Pike Syndicate, whatever. <laughs> and he's like, "You guys got you guys got some uh, cojones, yeah, you know? stealing yeah, from the Pike Syndicate." Which we found out that Pelly knows that Jawas have cojones, and they're furry ones too. Apparently, <laughs> yes, that was, because- that's in my Easter egg section. <laughs> Pele Motto dated a Jawa. Very uh, furry. Yeah. Yeah, that's... Uh, that was super funny. Yeah. My favorite part was the part where <laughs> you hear that Jawa talk and she goes, no, I'm sorry, I'm working on myself right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, they were they were qu- quite interested in the fact that she has oh, taken you're single? an interest in Jawas. <laughs> oh. hmm, interesting. Oh. Um, but the the test so drive. many dirty jokes so, that could be made there. God, I, I, there could be. Let's very short guys, woman. Just saying. <laughs> um, test drive uh, in Beggars Canyon. 
shades of the scene of yeah. the uh, of the pod race scenes as he's flying through there. Not to mention shades are alluding to Luke talking about going through Beggar's Canyon and yeah. shooting uh, womp shooting rats. My wife. I keep talking about wife because I think it's hilarious because she's not a huge Star Wars fan, but she watches it with me. Uh, when the womp rat was like sitting there just chilling and then got scared and ran off. Yeah, yeah. She was very upset. She's like, how rude. How rude. Just was not happy that that womp rat <laughs> was a, was a Terrible. animal lovers, man. But the so he goes through Beggar's Canyon, not to mention then he goes to space. And he's flying around on the same around the same, you know, ship that he came to the planet on, and then he gets pulled over by some X wings, which is shades of any police encounter ever. I, I don't yes. have my, I don't have Sorry, my officer, uh, registration, I lost, and yeah. oops. I kind of, I kind of feel like this had some allusions to, and I don't even know if this show's even still being made, but it was the Republic. Uh, show that was going to star Cara Dune. I kind of feel like the bearded X-Wing fighter guy that we've seen several times now. He saved yes. Mando and Grogu from the he ice did. spiders and recognized his he... voice. Yep. I feel like he's going to be in that show and we're going to get more of him. And I, I'm okay with that because he seems cool. But basically, yeah. Mando talks his way out of out of a ticket because of his voice, basically. And then they just like, oh, I, well, I want to have a friendly conversation because I recognize your voice. And that's when he uses like the uh, Furious. What is it? What are those? Furious Five? No, what are those movies called? Fast and the Furious. He just hits the oh. button on his ship and. Yeah. <laughs> he's he's not even the, on my radar anymore. So the, something else yes, about the, nitrous, the, yes. the, the Naboo Starfighter, like it. Like, they were trying to go with, like, the old, like, 70s muscle car vibe. Mm-hmm. You know, with the... I can't remember what, what they called the part. Kind of sticking out of the top of the Starfighter and... Yeah, you I know, know what you're talking about. Uh, so, you know, some of that stuff I thought was kind of pretty pretty cool. Um, just kind of... It, it felt just kind of like a nostalgic episode in so many ways with... So many of the references back to, honestly, most of the good stuff from the Phantom Menace. Um, yeah, the, the only pod good pod racing and the stuff with the Naboo Starfighter was kind of the best scenes from that movie. And it made it pretty nostalgic. I mean, as much shit as the Phantom Menace gets, this <laughs> kind of tapped back into like, that's cool to see again, you know? I, I thought that was really, really well done. I just had... It's not gonna happen. But I just had the one thing that they could throw in, like nostalgia wise, into this episode, that last episode, that would make me really happy. And we've talked about it on the podcast with Swaga before. I love Watto. If you were to give yeah. me old man Watto in the last episode, I would then I would be very happy with Mando. Yeah. He's yeah, like he was Watto. Tatooine. Come on, man. Where's Watto? Yeah. Did he die? Yep. I don't remember him dying in the show, so that'd be kind of crazy. Um, yep. But yeah, so he now he's got a new ship. And by the way, you and me talked about it before we started this. That uh, behind where he's sitting, by the way, first off, not a lot of cargo room. 
If you're still bounty hunting, I don't know where you're putting your bounties unless, like you said, he's cutting off all of their heads now. Yes, um, and bringing them in cold. Because, oh, that, we didn't talk about that last episode. He he did the 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 line from the first episode of Mandalorian season one. The very, I think first line in the entire series. Like I can bring you in cold, yeah. or I can bring you in warm, or I can bring you in cold. Yeah, did it again, and I was like, oh, that's the. Yeah, that was awesome. But so the only space on that in one starfighter is where the R two D two was, or where the astromech goes, and they took the astromech part off because. Like uh, Motto said, Kelly Motto said, she's like, you don't seem the type that would want an astromech droid. So they bored it out and put a glass top over it for another passenger. And it's very small. It almost seems like it is small. It almost seems like it would fit someone perfectly. Hmm. Very weird. Who could possibly be riding in there in the future? I wonder. Huh. It's almost like there's a little foreshadowing going on. Interesting. Hmm. Yeah. We'll see. Um, so, uh, <clears throat> yeah, all of that stuff was absolutely great. Um, the uh, so the BD droid, right? Another Easter egg. Love it. I I knew I recognized this droid. One, the droid's adorable. Absolutely adorable. <laughs> like. Gets a little injured leg, all running around, and like just, just super cute. Um, I, I like it when. What they, what but, Star Wars does with the droids is fantastic. Like of all the things in Star Wars, that is one kind of through line that you always see. Is you have these droids? They don't speak our language. We have no idea what the hell they're saying. But they're so. I'm not sure. They what give the word them is. like animal emotions sometimes, and then sometimes human emotions to them. Yeah, like they can. They do a very good job of turning robots, very Terminator also, by the way, um, turning robots yeah. into relatable characters. Yes. So, yeah, seeing the BD droid show up on the screen, which is the first time a BD droid has shown up on screen. Yeah. It's really the, we literally didn't even know about them until fall in order. And they've yes. obviously been around a long time because BD belonged to a Jedi that was killed in order 66. So BDs have been a long time around a long time, but we've never seen one. And here Peli Motto has one in her spot on Tatooine. So that was really, yeah. uh, I love, and I love the callbacks, ha- the, the callbacks it- and making things like, movie canon or live action canon is just so cool and if you haven't played fallen order um the bd droid is the droid that kind of follows you around and helps you throughout the whole thing like uh he's basically your little sidekick that um that helps you kind of go and move around in the world so yeah it was it was mm-hmm. very cool seeing one of those in in bd i love bd live one action. BD One yes. is so cool. I love that. I can't. I can't Res- wait. Fall in order too. Yeah, I was gonna say respawn has announced Fall in order too, and I'm yeah. I can't wait. So I'm I am so pumped. That's gonna be amazing. God, that was a good game. Joker mentions and the lizard rooster. That cracked me up because I turned to my wife and go, "Oh I guess yeah, we know, I forgot about I that." I guess thing. we know. I guess we know what uh, wakes people up in uh, Star Wars. 
Yeah, no These joke. Weird ass like winged flying rooster lizards. <laughs> yeah. Um. So was there anything else from episode five of other than the fact that I mean that this wasn't Book of Boba, this was all the Mandalorian. I mean, this entire episode, it was the Mandalorian. And this was the first clue that we had as to what's really going on with the Book of Boba. Because uh, like we talked about, there'd been so much flashbacks. It'd been kind of clunky story writing. This was kind of the first episode that was really just like one story that happens over a short period that follows beginning to end, nothing else in between. It just follows one arc. It's no flashbacks, none of that crap, really, um, other than the the Night of a Thousand Tears. That's really, I think, the only flashback in this episode. And it really kind of started to transition us for the transition into Season 3 of The Mandalorian. And we were now learning the entire purpose of the Book of Boba with this episode, effectively. So, For sure. Well, let's get into episode six. Yeah. I feel like I feel like we're doing really well on time. Like I've been looking at the clock, watching as we go through these episodes, and we're we're at an hour nice. and a half now, and we're on the fourth episode. So perfect. We're doing pretty good. Doing pretty good here. So yeah. Um, episode six is the one that's probably gonna have a lot of comments on it, though. Holy crap! There may be a few. Uh, so basically, here's we'll start with what's going on with Mando, and then we'll start in. The other big thing from this episode. Um, actually, there's three ginormous things from this episode. That's It's just so crazy, everything that happened in this episode. Mando has agreed to join Boba Fett's group. And he has agreed to do it on the house. Uh, Fennec offers to pay him, and Boba's like, or uh, Mando's like, I'll do it for free. Well, right. As well, long that's... as one thing, you let me go do one thing before we do this. And that was the one thing that we didn't really mention, because uh, I, I think that was at the end of episode five, whenever she kind of captures Fennec and then she kind of escapes or whatever comes down. And oh, yeah, that was hilarious. I turned Mando. on the fence. Someone tried to find you. I turned yeah. on the uh, electric fence. Everything in here is secure. And then she's <laughs> just sitting up there waiting for him to show up. Yeah. She- <laughs> of course, clever. and I love that character. Peli Motto is hilarious. She starts yelling yeah. at the droids. I thought you said you turned on the fence. <laughs> <laughs> I love that character. Um, yeah, so basically Mando in the last episode is like meets Finnick and they agree. And he says that he's going to do it on the house for his friend, Boba, right? Boba helped him out. Finnick helped him out. Why? How could he not say yes to people, two people that he has a repertoire with? He's friends with, you know, but he says, I need to do one thing before then. And that thing is he wants to go see Grogu. This dude is having withdrawal syndrome from his foundling that he gave up because, you know, that was his mission to give up him up. But he just cannot give up that connection to Grogu. So basically he heads to this planet. Which I also find it interesting. They didn't explain that he knew what planet Grogu was on. Do you have any insight to that? Why did he know where Grogu was? So, I had thought about that. But I presume that... My my first thought was that was 
part of the information that he was seeking for the bounty. Uh, but then also you had R2-D2 who was there that he's probably been communicating with. There, it, it almost seems like, like, like there's been some kind of check-ins with like, hey, your boy's right. doing fine. You didn't give him to a stranger that's going to, you know, abuse or, you know, he's going to get hurt with or he's going to let something happen to... By the way, Joker when I said abused with, point. that sounded weird. I just meant like he's going to get hurt with. Anyways, Luke, we know jo- Luke isn't that guy. Joker brings up a good point about him possibly being able to still track uh, Grogu's chain code, which is totally possible. I really want to know which one it is, you know? Yeah. Because it was interesting that he was able to fly directly to that planet. So... Obviously, he didn't know enough about where he was because when he found... Because I feel like it must have been the progress report thing. Because if he had the chain code, he would have known right where Grogu was. But when he got there, the first person he meets... And I, I told her to my wife, I'm like... Because all you see is that little radar dish. And I'm like, that's R2-D2. Yeah. That's R2-D2. He gets out yep. of the ship, walks a little forward, and then the thing comes down and it's R2-D2. I was like, oh my God, it's R2-D2. Yep. And all I could think to myself, are they going to show Luke... Are they going to show Luke again? So, spoiler, they showed they a lot do. of Luke. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, R2-D2 is like, oh, you want to see Luke? Let me lead you uh, to... Let me lead you to... The androids. The androids building a temple. So, so leads them there. This, I thought, was really cool because we we know from, you know, episode... I guess it'd be episode eight um, that, you know, he started to start a Jedi school and this, this is the beginning of that. This is where that happened. They show that he is building the school, uh, putting it all together. And this, this is where it starts. And Grogu is his first Padawan there. Um, so I thought that was actually kind of a really cool tie into, you know, the sequels. You get to see a little bit of what Luke's been been doing in between and, you know, the school that ultimately gets destroyed by Kylo. Um, very, very interesting getting to see kind of the, the initial starts of that. Not to mention this planet is never named in this episode, so we still don't know where Not it was. I I because my that assumption they... that he was flying to that planet uh, that Luke was on with the weird Octu? like nuns was, yeah, was that Octu? I think that I think that's um, right. I I think that but it's not. I don't think that's that planet unless they're on no, another I... side of it. No, um, my assumption is, and I want to say that they mention the the planet in uh, I believe episode eight, but. When, when they kind of flash back and they're talking about the school and it getting destroyed and all that sort of stuff, uh, you know, when Ben Solo uh, and, you know, Luke goes to kill Ben and all that's that whole thing happens, I assume this is where that took place. Yeah. Well, this is where so, he's building the school, as we find out later on. So that makes and sense. And I, I, I think they mention the planet whenever they're talking about all that. Um, so if, I, if anybody knows, let us know. Um, but 
so basically, R2-D2 leads them to a clearing where these ant, weird ant-like droids are building a, temp, uh, a temple. And the, I thought it was hilarious that the ants, I'm like, I turned to my wife and I'm like, are they building a bench? The ants end up building a bench yes. for Mando to sit on. I thought wait. that was hilarious. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> hilarious. Especially when they put like the, the leaves on it as like a, a, a cushion. Cushion. I was cracking Like, up. you're going to be here a while, dude. You're going to be like, here a minute. Comfy. You need to be comfortable. Yeah. So we end up, in, in the end, we end up finding out that R2-D2 did not lead him to Luke. Oh, by the way, correlation time. And I read this somewhere and I thought it was interesting. Much like the new series, when R2 didn't want to give up where Luke was, he shut down completely. Oh, and Mando's like staring at him nice. like... Tell me, hey, hello. Yeah, where is Luke? Where's Luke? And he just sat there, right? No joke. I I hadn't even put that together. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's a good point. Apparently, R two's just like, you know what? I'm gonna go to sleep now. Screw you. Yeah, we, basically. We we end up finding out that R two actually led him to the temple to lead him to Ahsoka Tano. Surprise! Yeah, Ahsoka shows up. Um. Which is freaking awesome. Ahsoka, yep. more Ahsoka. I, I, well, she's got her own show coming, so I'm going to get more more of her anyways. But it was awesome to see Luke's father, Luke's father's Padawan knows Luke. What? Yes. And I never saw that coming. Here we are. Oh. We'll talk kind of about that a little bit in the Easter egg section of some of the things she said were that were really awesome. But basically what happens here is Ahsoka's like, why are you here? And Mando's like, I want to see, I want to see the baby. (laughs) (laughs) Bring me the baby. Bring me Uh, the baby. And Ahsoka spends a lot of time with him asking, you know, why do you want to see him? He explains it, you know, and he's like, I have this gift that I want to give him. I I don't want to, I don't want to interrupt anything. I just want to give him this gift and she's like well you know his training's not great so far he's has a very big attachment to you and luke's been trying to teach him but you know if you see him it'll only make it harder for grogu to complete his training and in the end mando ends up what like 200 yards probably from grogu he can literally see him with his own eyes and ahsoka's like you have a choice. You can go see Grogu. He's right there. Or you can go see Grogu, to which Mando replies, I've come all this way. He's right there. And she's like, you can either go see him or you can leave it with me and I'll give him your gift and he it'll help him to complete his so, training. I, I think that part's actually really important. And I agree 100%. Didn't feel like I, I, it didn't get super highlighted, but like the... Tr- it's not like she doesn't say no to Mando. She gives him that choice. And that is kind of a theme that you kind of see through this episode as we'll get to more parts later is there is that choice of what is, you know, of creating the path that results in the outcome that you want to see. And that is kind of what he does. He ultimately agrees that, you know, 
seeing Grogu, which isn't really for Grogu. It's it's for him. He's he wants well, to see Grogu. It's, it's he just it's got kicked out of his tribe. Choice. He yep. to- just got kicked out of his tribe. He's 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 reeling right now. Like he's yeah, in a spot no where he misses Grogu. He just got yep. kicked out of his tribe. Yep. He doesn't have anyone. The only people he really has right now are acquaintances in Fennec and Boba. And it's it's not really alluded to too much, but you can imagine the mindset of a person that his entire way of life, the people that he agrees with and believes the same things as just kicked him out. Yep. The one person he cares about the most, he wants to go see, and he goes to see him. And then in that moment where he's the most vulnerable, he says he decides to not do what he came there all that way to do. Well, hold on. All for That's him. not entirely true <laughs> because one of the most important things that he was going to do was going to make sure that Grogu was okay. True. And he he was able to do that. Um so that was a pretty important part of his task he was able to accomplish and not kind of disturb Grogu. Yes, for sure. Yeah, it was really um, ultimately Ahsoka convinces him to give her his gift for Grogu and promises that she would make sure that it got to him. Yep. So that's with that assurance from Ahsoka, Mando was happy. Gave her it. By the way, who was it? It was Stoic Jester in chat pointed out something that me and my wife both saw from the episode. The way that the armorer tied that bag of the gift looked, looked like Grogu's exactly head. like Grogu's yep. head. One hundred percent. Yeah. The the uh, I, I the connection was, there was pretty yeah. awesome. The the attention to detail on some of that stuff is impressive, and um, so. I guess as we're going to kind of move to next, which is the Grogu Luke stuff. Holy cow. Are these episodes loaded with callbacks? My God. That's, it's that's like what, they do enough to make a new story that you, you love and you're interested enough while still doing callbacks and bringing old yes. stuff that might've been Canon before and isn't yep. anymore back into Canon and just the, doing all kinds of stuff that my, make you, it's all nostalgic while being new. Basically. My absolute favorite part is arguably one of my favorite scenes in Star Wars is uh, on Dagobah when when Luke crash lands and he meets Yoda and all of that and you have Luke trying he's figured out that he can use the force but he doesn't know how to use the force. Mm-hmm. And the correlation here between Luke in the X-Wing and Grogu in the Frog in the Pond is <laughs> freaking amazing. I am I am like dying on my couch watching this entire scene. It's so freaking good. Um, but, the, but also the storytelling that they do with that callback I think is so good. Because you have the super impatient Grogu. Which kind of parallels with Mando. I think it's there's a parallel on the two of them kind of learning the same thing as far as learning to be patient for what you want with 
him ultimately, you know, seeing Grogu's fine and ultimately deciding to do the best thing for Grogu and not actually go see him. Then you have Grogu, who, <laughs> as always, is thinking about food and wanting this <laughs> frog, but doesn't eat it. And then Luke ultimately shows him, like, look at all the frogs that you could have. Like if you focus, tra- this would be very easy for you. Right. It's like I don't even the, see them and I can pull them all out of the water. The the hard work and the reaping the rewards and just the lesson in that callback, I loved every bit of it. It's so good. Um And that speaks do- to that first point I made where Grogu doesn't seem focused and Luke shows a lot of patience trying to get him yes. to train, right? Yep. It, going on to the next point, and this is the part that continues off of what you said. Eventually, after Mando leaves and doesn't interfere with the training, it seems like Grogu finds his focus and is able to, for example, jumping around with... There's a scene earlier where yeah. Luke is telling him to jump, and he jumps like <laughs> two inches. And then he tries to focus, and he does again, jumps two inches. Yeah. But once Mando's left, Grogu is able to... With the training droid, the same callback to Luke with the training droid with the helmet on and no no yep. eyes trying to sh- you know use the force to block the laser beams. Here's Grogu f- doing jumps and flips and doing all kinds of stuff to avoid this training droid. And I thought it was really awesome because the timing to sh- kind of show that Grogu, once Mando left, Grogu was able to focus as if like to say... Listen, you didn't you didn't interrupt the training, and here's Grogu prospering, right? Yep, one hundred percent. Like it, it almost seemed like that that was the way they were going for. It's like Mando chose not to interrupt, and then Grogu suddenly had this chose to He's learn. Basically, gotta stay focused and not not be distracted. And one one thing that is really important, I think, that Luke mentions is he. You know, he says to Ahsoka, you know, it's not so much that I am teaching him as I'm reminding him about stuff he's forgotten. Because Grogu was, you know, when Order 66 was executed, he was in the temple. We saw that flashback. The, he, he's been through the training, so it's not like he's entirely inept. Um, but whatever he went through, whenever he was stuck with the Empire... And all of that over that time had almost kind of brainwashed him in a way. And so Luke well, was effectively just bringing out what he already knew. I don't want to bring the all the hundreds of conversations I have with my wife, who is a therapist, about trauma. <laughs> but right. Yeah. Grogu just witnessed everyone he cared about. Everyone that took him from wherever he came from to become a Jedi. He watched them all slaughtered as a kid. Yep. Right. What are the odds that he's suppressing everything he learned and everything that happened then as a protection mechanism? Yeah, exactly. You know, and here's Luke just puts his hand on his head and tries to show him and remind him everything that he's been through. And then we get this really crazy order 66 flashback with three unnamed Jedi basically standing there while he's in a back backpack, like he always is trying to protect him. And then they kill the three Jedi, and then they come running towards wherever area he is. And then that's where the flashback ends. Right. Um, 
I hope I, we get more flashbacks. Yes, that's exactly what I was about to say. Because I want to see how Grogu got out. Like, what happened with Grogu? Like, he he mm-hmm. saw this happening. What? How, how did he get out? How did he survive? Because they cleaned that Jedi Temple out. Yep, exactly. Um, well, I got a. There's some theories in the uh, Easter eggs that we'll talk about, it's, especially with this scene, but. Um, okay. Let's move on from that. Um, so a, a lot of training goes on with Grogu and Luke. Um, it, obviously, at some point, we see that Grogu is learning. He's moving more sprightly than we've ever seen, yes. avoiding this uh, training droid. Um, but Ahsoka ends up showing up, and she gives the gift from Mando to Luke. Um, and, you know, Luke's like, they have a little conversation, which is awesome. Uh, the Luke Ahsoka interactions were awesome. Yes. Um, but so the, basically, the, the main thing of the episode that it ends with this is—I think this is where the episode ends. And this oh, is not everything that's there. in it, but okay, go ahead. I, I want to talk about something aesthetically mm-hmm. on this. Um, the 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 CGI on Luke is so much better in this episode oh, than yeah. it was at the end of season two of Mando. Like, there are extended scenes of him talking and moving very, very well done. I would hate to know how much time they spent on it because it was such a short scene in, you know, the at the end of season two whenever we saw Luke. I didn't expect us to see this much so of Luke's much face. So much of Luke talking and Luke's face. And it's so well done. It's so much better than last season. So Did that you know I thought that was they... awesome. Between that episode and this, they had hired a really famous deep fake uh, artist. So I heard that they hired, uh, I think that's his YouTube channel, right? Deep fake? It might be. Deep fakes. Deep fake something. Something along those lines. Yeah. But he helped them with this. And I will say this, that he, his help in making Luke more believable with the CGI. (laughs) Freaking good. Yes. No, and that's good. Like Grogu's movements, like actually seeing I, him move around. That entire episode, all I could think to myself is get him out of the burlap sack and put him in something where he can actually walk and move in. Like what? Right. His Which feet I think are never seen. Like yeah. stop wearing yep. the burlap sack. That is not helping you. Yeah, <laughs> um, but I, I thought all of that was done actually really well because um, that I, I recall having a complaint about that in season two. But um, yeah, so much better this episode. Let's talk about there are two things. OK, you are probably not. I put the one thing that I really, really loved in this episode is the last thing. And I feel like you as not a Clone Wars watcher will not care as much about it. But OK. This is probably the most important thing of this episode right here. Then going into the other stuff. But this is it. So I said Ahsoka gave him Mando's gift. Right. And then Luke decides to offer a lesson and a choice. He opens that (laughs) Grogu shaped bag that uh, (laughs) Mando gave. And we finally find out that it after an episode, two episodes, right? This entire time, I'm like, are we going to ever find out what this is? He opens it up, and it's the Beskar chainmail armor for for, uh, Grogu. That's basically 
Mandalorian's like, this stuff is almost impenetrable. I want my my little guy to be safe. I'm giving yep. him this gift. I don't care about my spear. I have the dark saber. I want Grogu to be safe. Luke says, if you want this, which was given to you by Din Djarin, mm-hmm. you can pick it. But if you pick it, we will end our training and you will return to him. You're either a foundling or a Padawan. Yes. And so that it's a, going to the other side. He pulls out a smaller lightsaber, a smaller hilt than his own. And I'm like, I was looking at him like, that doesn't look like a normal hand sized lightsaber. And he's like, and then I also have this. This is the lightsaber of my master, Master so- Yoda. And if you pick this lightsaber, you will stay here and train with me. But you do so knowing that the training will take a long time and you may never see the Mandalorian again. Yep. And then he doesn't choose in the episode, so we're left on that cliffhanger. What is Grogu going to choose? Hell of a cliffhanger. (laughs) And I suspect I know what he's going to choose. Mm -hmm. I think there's too much foreshadowing with there's no Grogu in the sequels. There is an awfully convenient spot in a new Naboo starfighter that we've recently seen. We will see. We don't know what happens, but um, how did Luke get Yoda's lightsaber? Well, okay. So this, this is the thing. I, I don't have the thing open. There is a, Yoda's lightsaber was destroyed in either a comic book or a episode of Clone Wars. Not Clone Wars. It had to have been a comic book. So supposedly it was destroyed in canon. But there, obviously, maybe Yoda had multiple lightsabers. But possible. Why does Yoda have, well, Yoda would have, or Luke would have Yoda's lightsaber because when Yoda died, he probably took it that would be my assumption yes in a comic book yes okay thanks drew yeah i, I know okay. it was a comic book there's so much good shit in the comic books and the animated shows it's just so crazy but anyways but yeah they took a. so he's got he's got yoda's lightsaber and when i saw it i'm just like isn't that crazy it's for the idea of grogu the only besides yaddle the only other of that species we've ever seen for him to yep. take Yoda's lightsaber as yeah. his own. Pretty baller. But we've got this choice where it's like, you're either going to get that or you're going to get, you know, the the armor for Beskar. So, so I don't know, man. I am, crazy. I am almost wondering if Grogu will be the one that teaches Mando how to use the darksaber. It, it's, here's the thing. I don't think we're going to find the answer to that question in Book of Boba. I think that is what we're no. gonna, we'll find that out in Mando for sure. I think that's almost going to be the entire point of season three of Mando. Mm-hmm. Like, because they had to leave Grogu and then you've got to bring him back. I mean, how are you going to have the Mandalorian without Grogu? Um, you almost, they had to put this middle road in there for that. Um mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm kind of excited to see where that goes, though. There's we got Kenobi coming up this year, Mando whenever because it hasn't been announced. I don't think 
there's so much good Star Wars coming. I love it. Yep. And all this, uh, just watching Book of Boba leading into things, not to mention just having the Boba Fett story. It's just so awesome. Let's talk about the other part of this episode. All right. Okay. And that is most Pelagos. And that is a place we've been before because that is the place where Cobb Vanth, who play, who's played by one of my favorite actors ever, Timothy Oliphant. By the way, if, you, if you'd like Timothy Oliphant, I was thinking about this earlier. He is one of my favorite Western, Western actors. And I know he's been in a lot of things, but the fact that he was in Deadwood, justified playing this character in this show, which is very Western. Timothy Oliphant is just the perfect gunfighter. I love that he, guy. He was in Gone in 60 Seconds. He's been in so many things, and he's just a great actor. I love Timothy Oliphant. But he's been in a lot of stuff. I do too. Everything that uh, there was another show that he was in, uh, Justified. Um, yeah, which is not a western, but he plays a cowboy type he, character. Yes, he that he plays a very westerny character for sure. He's um, he's, he's just great. I love that guy. Yeah, he's a good actor. But the uh, the okay. episode opens up, and this is where before we even get into the, any of the Mando stuff, it, the episode opens up with oh shit. He's the detective and gone in 60 seconds. Oh, yeah? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I remember that, actually. No kidding. Yeah. Wow. Interesting. So the show opens up with Cobb Vanth, and he kills... Basically, there's a Pike Syndicate speeder in the most Pelgos territories, and he ends up in a, like, standoff with these four Pike Syndicate guys. He ends up shooting three... And leaving one alive, basically calling him the the smart one because they didn't <laughs> know, pull his gun on him, and yep. he tells him to leave. That was funny, but to leave his uh leave the the box, which is what was all supposed to be the gold or the credits or whatever it was, and to get out of here. And then he opens the box and it's like this dust, which I to me spice. is spice. It's basically yes. he kicks it over. It's basically like this bullshit needs to go. Basically, like any. Any uh, law enforcement basically is going to say, I don't need this crap around here, no matter how much it's worth. And so the the show opens with him against the Pike Syndicate. And so later in the episode, we get Mando showing up to convince Cobb that he and his fighters should help Mando and Boba get rid of the Pike Syndicate. Because earlier there was a meeting between Boba, Finnick, and all of his people trying to figure out how they're going to get more muscle. And Boba says, or Mando says, I think I know some people. And this was the people because he's fought along the most Pelgos with the Tusken Raiders to defeat the Crate Dragon. He knows they're good fighters. And so he goes back there to fight to Cobb Vance to, to, to like basically appeal to his good side to say, we got to do this or they're, if it's not going to be just most Isley, it's not going to be most Espa. They're going to come to most Pelga, Pelgos, and they're going to, all of it eventually will be Pike territory. And so, uh, basically, Cobb doesn't agree. He says he'll bring it to his people, but he's not, he's not going to dedicate them to something at that moment, right? He wants to be, he's going to treat it like democracy. Do they want to do this or don't they? And so, Mando agrees to that. He's like, just, I'm going to come back. You let me know 
what happens and he leaves the craziest part is the moment the exact moment that he leaves Cobb Vanth is talking to his deputy sends him inside and he looks down the street and there's this shadow Mm -hmm. in the distance very very western very very cool yeah he sees this person just and he tells everybody on the streets basically like any other western clear the streets i don't know what's gonna happen i don't know that it's gonna be bad but if it is i don't want anyone to get hurt yep. and so this this character just keeps getting closer right he keeps getting closer and i'm looking at it and my wife's like who is that and all I can think in my head is I'm, I'm running through every character that's never been in Star Wars <laughs> and could become to the screen. And I'm like, I bet it's Imbo. My my initial thought was it was Imbo. I'm like, nice. that'd be freaking crazy if Imbo shows up. So as it keeps getting closer, right? Because you see that giant hat on the head. And, you know, Imbo wore that like discus hat. And he was a bounty hunter. So, you know, he, he just did what he wanted to or what he was paid for. As it gets, it gets closer, right? The shadow starts taking a, a form and the hat looks more cowboyish. And I'm like, okay, well, that is not Imbo's hat. And then it clicked. It clicked in my head. And I'm yep. like, that is Cad Bane. There's no doubt about it. That is Cad Bane. And he gets close enough and you got the head down with a cowboy hat over his face. Also very Western. So freaking cool. But you got the like, the like, air breathers out of the side of the head and oh man so he's talking to Cobb Vanth basically saying this is going to happen whether you like it or not you can either stand in the way or get out of the way and uh, Cobb doesn't back down from anything and he's just telling him you know we're not going to do that but he's not doing it in a way that's going to start a he's not doing it in a way that's going to start a fight but that stupid freaking deputy Standing at the side, not inside, like Cobb told him to be, standing yep. out there, basically flinches, goes for his gun, and Cad shoots Cobb Vance and then shoots the deputy like seven times. Oh, he plasters he the deputy. He destroyed the deputy, yeah, which makes done. sense. That's the guy reaching for his gun, right? So, we got all I have to say, and I think I wrote it here in the notes Cad fucking Bane. That very well stated. All the shit from the original trilogy. We've got Luke. We've got Grogu from the Mando series. We've got Mando going back to see Grogu. Mm -hmm. We've got all of that. You know what? When I saw Cad Bane, that was the only thing I cared about in this episode. Because there are (laughs) so many. I'd say there's 20 to 30 episodes. I wasn't that excited, but. Right, but you haven't seen Clone Wars. If you have watched Clone Wars before this, Cad Bane is in so much Clone Wars. He is such a pivotal bounty hunter character that seeing him on the screen was just freaking amazing and he looks so cool with the sharpened teeth when he lifts his head up and you see those big bright red eyes yes it it, it was i was i was going nuts like my wife could my wife asked me why i was so excited and i just like i was just like yeah i've seen this character a thousand times animated this is the first time we've seen him as a like so character it was i've seen complaints that his face uh has not or should have looked maybe more elongated um 
Possibly, for sure. I, I haven't seen the shows, but to me, he looked a lot more realistic than most of the other, you know, images that I've seen of him. You got a guy that was not a CGI person. So that was a person with makeup on and to made to look like that. And to get an elongated face, you would have to probably have been done. Excuse me. Yeah. You probably would have done CGI to make it look directly like the animated character. Yeah. But I honestly, people nitpick and that's fine. I don't mind people nitpicking. To me, totally fine with it. It looked freaking... A, he looked missing. I showed my daughter a picture of him today. Very menacing. I showed like, my daughter a picture of him today, and my daughter was dude. like, that guy's scary. And I'm like, yeah. yes, he is. The eyes. Like, whenever oh. he looks up with those, like, eye of Sauron-looking eyes, like, yeah, he looks he, he looks pretty menacing. He looks pretty baller. I'm a big fan. Um, Yeah. He's a okay, and I saw I read something else online when I was looking at reviews for this episode. Someone said we don't have an actual face to an enemy for the Pike Syndicate. Yep. Now you do. do. You've got the Pike Syndicate, all those 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 foot soldiers that are on Tatooine, and maybe not their leader, but the big baddie in Cad Bane, and he is going to be the guy. In the finale, guaranteed. It is going to be so... I, I cannot wait for this finale. Mm, yeah. Yeah, I could see that. It's going I to can't... be crazy. Yeah. I'm pretty pumped I... to see this next episode. Um... Give me Cad Bane. Give me Boba on a freaking Rancor. Give me Black Kirsten and Mando and the body guys. How much... So we're expecting all this in the final episode. How much do you think will be resolved in this episode? Why don't you tell me? I'm going to use the bathroom, but I can hear you. I'll be right back. Uh, Because I'm wondering how much is going to be carried over to season three of Mando. Because it's kind of important to see where they tie this up and where they end up going. Like, what does Mando go on next? Is so much of the next season of The Mandalorian, is it going to be Boba and Mando, Fennec kind of teamed up? Like, how much tie-in is there going to be? Um. I'm curious to see how all of that goes, but I, I'm I'm pretty pumped that we have a big baddie that we want to see go down, and that's that's going to be fun. However, it happens, I am hoping the Rancor eats Cad Bane. We'll see. Um, so uh, after this, the next scene is uh, you know, a couple guys from Pike Syndicate go to the Mos Espa Cantina and. They leave a container on the table that turns out to be a bomb and kaboom. Uh, They blow the cantina to hell, uh, which is like, that's one thing that they've done a good job at setting up for, I think, given that this incident now happens, is this is kind of the place that everybody goes for um, peace and just, to go go drink and have a have fun and try to not worry about the bullshit, which is why they get so annoyed with uh, Kirsten Tam whenever he tears off the Trandoshan's arm. They don't want the violence there. That's not what they're about. It's what they didn't like about Manda or sorry Boba showing up, and so 
there's definitely going to be some people who are not happy about the fact that this was the place that was blown up. It's it's like almost like blowing up like maybe an embassy or like some sort of war crime where it's an off limits target. It's it's not something you do in the fight. It's not right and I think that's going to work into Boba's favor. I think most Pelgos and that scene set it up perfectly for what's going to happen in the last episode. And that is this. The most Pelgos. Cobb Vanth was like, this isn't our fight. Right? He's like, I'll put it to the people, but the odds are it's not going to happen. Well, now Cad Bane's shown up and, and shot the sheriff, killed the deputy. And for what? It's coming to most Pelgos. Then yes. you've got the cantina where everybody goes, like you said, to relax. And now you've killed everyone in there. And the people of most Espa are not going to be happy about that, right? So I feel like those two scenes are going to unite the characters that we find out are going to fight with Boba Fett to get rid of the For Pike sure. Syndicate. And Yep. I think that was the main point and the main importance of that. And we, we talked about this before we started recording, but I it looked like Cobb Vanth. You said he thought he got shot in the gut. I thought he got shot in the shoulder. At the very least, I think Cobb Vanth isn't dead. And I think the fact no, that he's not dead not. is that he's going to re- bring most Pelgos to the side well, of, uh, of Boba. You saw the people coming out of the cantina with the first aid kit and immediately tending to him. Not even going near the deputy. They, right. <laughs> there's a reason. Uh, one of them could make it. The other will not. So um, so we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, so uh, some Easter eggs. Uh, some of these are pretty good. I, I really like this. Uh, uh, for sure. These first so, two are amazing to me. Yes. Uh, one of them, Ahsoka Tamando, um, where she says, I'm an old friend of the family, referring to, uh, you know, referring to Luke and... You mean Vader or Anakin. Right, right, Being right. Anakin's fact- Padawan. It's like, yes, I know your dad very, very well. Yes. I loved him like... like- like in nothing you could ever imagine. Yep. Um, and then her telling Luke, you're a lot like your dad. Like th- those two lines alone were really, really cool. And, you know, as someone who still has not seen those shows, I am familiar enough with Ahsoka, uh, you know, that, 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 that's pretty, it's pretty exciting to see her, who, of course, was Anakin's Padawan, now kind of working with Luke to kind of restore the Jedi Orders. P- pretty, pretty awesome. This this episode is something that I never, ever thought I would see, and that would well, that was Ahsoka knowing Luke or talking to yeah. Luke. Like, that yeah. was just never something ever in my head I thought we would know happen. But here is, here is the... The forlorn, thrown to the side, gray Jedi, Ahsoka, who left the Jedi Order, um, the Padawan of Darth Vader, meeting his son and talking about Anakin, not Darth Vader, to his son. 
That's just freaking yeah. crazy to me. Yep. Um, Someone said it in chat right. earlier. It's like, how did Ahsoka and Luke meet? That's what I want to know. I want to see that story. Like, yeah. why did sure. she end up on the planet with Luke? And I thought it was interesting. We didn't talk about it in the early parts of this episode, but well, Ahsoka's like, or Mando's like, why would you support Luke training Grogu if you chose not to do it yourself? And she's just basically like, that was Luke's choice. And I support him choosing to do it. I just couldn't. Yeah. So, anyways, just side note. What other? What else we got here in the uh, Easter eggs? Oh, you um, haven't seen this. This is crazy no. to me. Oh, look at this. Galact- Heinesy ran with hey. a party of 39. Well, first off, welcome everyone. If you have not seen episode six of Boba Fett... You might want to roll out because we're talking about Easter eggs from Boba Fett episode six. Um, We've been going over reviewing the last four episodes of Boba Fett. So that is what we're currently doing. We're going over a little bit of the extra stuff from uh, episode six. But thank you all for coming out. And Heinesy, we appreciate the the raid. Um, Heck yeah. But something I read today. In the flashback with Grogu. You see a emblem on the walls of the flashback. And in the flashback, no one ever says anything. Obviously, they don't point this out or anything, but people, internet, the Star Wars fans on the internet, very receptive people. People have seen, and this is what makes people think that maybe this scene with Grogu wasn't at the Jedi Temple on Coruscant. There is the Barris Afi emblem on walls. And, uh, Interesting. what, what is a Boba Fett? <laughs> I the last two episodes of the show would not tell you. That's for sure. Um, did you know GAC got canceled? What? I, I, I did not. Um, Oh, you didn't hear about that? N- no, no, I did. <laughs> okay. um, I was actually going through, going through battles testing teams yeah because you know it's not gonna really matter right it went through to round two and then immediately went to round three so i was like i'm gonna go test some stuff and see what happens um so yeah (laughs) very funny guys hey you know what that means i can get my c which i just unlocked into gac quicker than i was going to so oh yeah not to mention the omicron iden versio i just did Ooh, baller i like it we're gonna go on GAC. I'm loving it. Yeah. I'm loving this change. Change. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so the, the there's a lot of people thinking that maybe Barris Ulfi is the one that saves Grogu and that right. somehow uh, she's despite the fact that you don't know this, but from the Clone Wars, she was in prison? Jail? She was under Jedi. She was a captive of the Jedi because of what she had done. And the thought is that maybe, despite everything that she had done, she still cared about the Jedi and seeing them all being killed, she took Grogu and saved him. And this is all coming from the fact that you have the, if anyone knows Barisafi, you know the like diamond-shaped uh, logo with the four diamonds that make the logo that's also on her cheeks. Is it on her cheeks or on the head? I can't remember. Oh. Anyways, people have seen that in the... the in the flashback, so a lot of people are think that maybe Barisafi is the one that saved Grogu from Order sixty six. 
which would be very interesting because if you know I, the Clone Wars, Ahsoka Tano and Beresafi were friends. She got blamed mm-hmm. for murder because of Barris. So if if in Ahsoka we see Ahsoka confront Barris, that would be pretty freaking cool. So I don't know. Yeah, um, I think there's a lot they could do here, you know, with more flashbacks with Grogu. And, you know, if Grogu teams back up with Mando in season three, that's something that we could get a lot more backstory on, which would be super fun. uh, Getting to see how Grogu escaped and all that sort of stuff. So (laughs) I agree 100%. I also just read Evo's chat message that said, did you know that Boba Fett cameoed in the last book of Boba episode? He did. <laughs> he had zero lines. Finnick did all the talking, but he was in That's it. That's funny. Nice. Um, yeah. Uh, other um, Easter eggs I got here. Grogu on Luke's back while he runs. Very much similar yeah. to oh, the yeah. Luke training sessions. I think you alluded so, to that earlier, but I, it was I, very cool. I'm not... I'm not sure how Luke was training Grogu with that. One thing that I did think was funny, though, was whenever they were walking, and Grogu is so slow at walking that Luke keeps having to, like, force move him up to keep him in pace with him. Uh, the walk? was hilarious. Yeah. yeah, I'm telling you, get oh, him out of the burlap good. sack. The dude can't walk. Yes, yes. <laughs> get, get him a Jedi robe. Come on. Poor Grogu. So sad. Um, and yeah, the the final kind of Easter eggy thing that we had, because this was hilarious, <laughs> watching the Jawas drive around with the crate dragon on top of their sand crawler. Which is like a like, third of the size of the freaking sand it's crawler. Huge. That thing was massive. It's ginormous, yes. And, and just like any Jawa, say, they didn't fight the fight, but they stole the freaking skull. Oh, the they butt. did, yeah. But it's menacing looking. I really um, want the Lego set. I haven't bought the. Sa- I really want the Sandcrawler Lego set to go in my uh, display over here. If it came with the tra- if it, or the if it comes out with the crate skull, I'm buying. I would be all one hundred percent, one hundred percent. Yeah, like like the Sandcrawler Lego set is already cool. But if you put a crate dragon on the top of it from this episode, I'll, I will buy it immediately. Um. So, something Claver mentions, uh, Boba's show is very sad for him. I'm still trusting these guys stick the landing. I well, think that is a great that point. That gets us because to host reviews of the last four episodes. So Exactly. Let's freaking go. So, I... As I've mentioned a few times as we've gone... Um, there's a significant difference between the first four episodes of the book of Boba and the final or not final two, but episodes five and six. Um, at first they, it was so much about the flashbacks and they were trying to tell so much story that they were kind of going back and forth and they've slowly dissipated that out until they got to the point that Boba was healed and quit going into the box tank to do the flashbacks. Now, I, I enjoyed most of those first four episodes, but there was a lot that was left to be desired. There was a lot that felt like clunky storytelling and just not really well written in. And, you know, we've kind of mentioned those points as we've kind of come along. But the next two episodes that kind of moved more towards the Mando stuff... Um, 
it just seems so out of place that there's this really important story that they have to tell uh, a resolution they have to have to something to set up where we're going with season three of the Mandalorian. And I think it seems like all of this is entirely set up for obviously the next episode, the finale of the book of Boba. And I'll, I gotta be honest with after seeing episodes five and six, I feel pretty confident about where this is going. Like there's been so many other lead in pieces that you, you actually see the vision of what they're trying to do. Cause I haven't, I didn't see that in the first four episodes. It was fun to watch, but it was also kind of bland and boring at times. Some of it just didn't make sense. And Eh, like it just like I said earlier it felt like the sequels it felt like episodes 7 through 9 where you have all these stories going on they're being told by different people so they're not connecting and tying it all together like it should be tied together but I feel like moving into episodes 5 and 6 it's starting to intertwine a little bit better and that you know, that tie-in is just getting tighter as we move into this final episode. So I'm pretty excited about where it goes. I think they're going to crush it. I really hope they do. Um, but I'm I'm optimistic. I've really enjoyed this season. It has not been as exciting as The Mandalorian uh, Season 2 or 1. But I, I do feel like it's been a pretty good setup to get through a lot of stuff. And most importantly tell a lot of backstory about previous uh, creatures and kind of things in Star Wars lore that they've kind of went in, hit, gave us a lot of information on while fitting it into the story really well. So it's, I'm terrible with timelines, but it it is done. Yeah. Goldfish brain here. (laughs) It's interesting that, it's answered a lot of questions even from original trilogy fans, right? How did Boba escape death from the Sarlacc pit? What happened to him all this time? Like, it would be interesting. Someone out there knows, even in our chat, would know the timeline between <coughs> where we are in the current timeline and the amount of time he spent with the Tuscan Raider tribe, the amount of time that between him meeting Finnick getting his ship right. back him taking over the uh him taking over the Jabba's palace like this show has done a lot in a small amount of time even yeah. for the boba character with two episodes that almost didn't even feature him at all you know just, what i'm just saying just to clarify like they've been telling stuff since before the death star was destroyed like they've covered you know from you know, Jabba's death all the way up until years after the destruction of the Death Star. Like, and told a lot of story for these characters and kind of filled in those gaps. Like, that that's a pretty huge span to kind of fill in there. Yeah. So, the like, the, the, the main point I'm making is that despite two out of six episodes of his own show, him not being a part of, really... They've yeah. done a lot for the Boba Fett character. And I feel like yeah, for sure. 
that lead up along with what's going on with Mando leading into his own season three, but what he's going to do with Boba Fett in this finale. I feel like the, I, I don't know if I'll be let down, but I feel like the finale will be a little longer than the other episodes. It's gotta be right. Like I'm really hoping that it, 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 a, we get uh, Boba Fett on riding a rancor. I really hope that we get, some badass Mando and Black Karen Satan uh, fight scenes. Um, yeah. Oh, we definitely will. No I, doubt. Like, there's a lot of Boba riding the Rancor. That's got bring it. Bring it on. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm all for it. There's just there is. I don't know where the finale is going. That's just basically where it ends up. Like a lot of shows, you can you can telegraph but where a finale is going i don't know where this one's going uh well and it's it's kind of hard to guess because it's not just the season finale for the show it's kind of the preseason for season three of the mandalorian and like like i've mentioned several times they've called this mandalorian season 2.5 before like it's they're not hiding the fact that this is a massive tie-in and well, so it doesn't need to wrap up with the season finale. It needs to set up with the season finale. I thought about so. the name of the show, right? The book of Boba Fett, right? So let's think about books, right? You got all these books that come out. Let's pretend Mandalorian is the main character. And you got mm-hmm. two books. The first two books, name them whatever you want. The third Mandalorian book is the book of Boba Fett. You're getting a lot of Boba Fett, but it's part of the same story. Right. And then that is going yep. to lead straight into chapter four, where this was about Boba Fett. But it was, it, let's pretend it, it actually is a Mando season, even if he wasn't in every episode. I think it all, that's the great thing about what the MCU is always, MCU? This is an MCU. Well, let me, okay, let me yeah. go, let me double down on that. The MCU has always tied everything together. It always has. And better, like, better than anything ever. Done it, yes. Between that, TV that and the, movies. Easily. That is the one thing they have changed about writing with movies and TV shows. The MCU has freaking crushed it. Who... Uh, who, who is that guy that... Oh, that, that did some of those movies, like Iron Man... Um, John. Uh, he played Happy in the John Iron Man. Favreau. Oh, that guy. Weird. Yeah. So the, weird how that the works. fact that that guy is doing the same thing for Star Wars as far as TV and the the movies go. It's it's good. I have complete so, faith about where this is conf- going because of that guy. You may not. This is the thing, right? You don't have to love everything about everything in Star Wars, but there is always a point. And we haven't seen the finale yet, so we're going to find the point out next week. But I will say, excuse me, the last few episodes have done wonders for a Mando's story and then leading into it for the first four episodes with Boba to lead into the finale. So I will just say I'm excited to talk about the finale with all you guys because it's going to be a lot of fun just to see what they come up with because I honestly have no idea what's going to happen. Yeah, me either. I don't know so, what to expect, but I, I expect a, a a lot of action. 
That's what I want. Give me, if it's normal episode length, give me action the entire time. Have him take down the Pike Syndicate. You know what would be really crazy? Is Darth Maul still around at this point? Because I know the Pikes work with Crimson Dawn. Ooh, <laughs> yeah, I I'm not sure. I don't think, man, I don't think that Maul's would... still around at this point. I think he's gone. Well, hold on. What? So Yeah, he died um, in Rebels. You're right. Oh, did he? No. I, I was about to ask. Um... Someone's controlling the Crimson Dawn, though, because I know they're still working with them. They've alluded to that in like the um, second or third episode. Well, didn't What's-Her-Face take it over after Solo? Um, well, Kira began working with Darth Maul after Solo. Okay. So, Kira so is still alive, Big Deal says. I, you know, that would be it. crazy. There's something crazy is going to happen. It always happens in these shows. There's always the cliffhanger. Yeah. So, we'll see what happens. It'd be interesting. Cool. Darth Jar Jar. Way to go, Drew. <laughs> awesome right. well, well uh, do you have anything else to mention I don't think I have anything else I think that even though we made it to two and a half hours I think with four Holy episodes cow. to cover we uh, we did it in a decent amount of time so yeah yeah yeah. Well, this was fun uh, finally getting to talk about these episodes of course we'll be back next week we'll be talking about Swaga next week but we we might have to mm, we might have to somehow do a double episode. We'll do Swaga do episode double, and then the last episode. Double up. I I, I don't know how we don't. It's, I don't work Saturday, so let's stay up all night. I don't, I don't either. All right, so <laughs> next Friday will be lit. Um, so well, first I want to say this to everybody out there that has never seen our show before. Thanks for coming and hanging out. I want a big, big shouts yeah. out to the escape. Seeing all of you guys here. Big shouts out to the escape podcast for rating us earlier. Mm-hmm. And also for uh, galactic legend, Heinessy hitting us up tonight. Yeah. You guys are awesome. If you've never seen our Appreciate show, it. this is uh for us. This is episode 277. We've been doing podcasts about Swaga since mods came out. Like I think the, we did two, three episodes before mods came out in Swaga, and then we've yes. been doing weekly episodes ever since Very then. Long time. So if you've never heard of us, welcome. We are the Star, the Shattered Order podcast, and uh, we hope to see you back at some point. Every Friday night, we are almost here every Friday night at eight PM Pacific, hanging out, and uh, that's just what we do. So if you want to come hang out with us, that'd be awesome. It'd be great to see a lot of you guys hanging out with us. For everybody else that's always supported this show. We appreciate you. Uh, throughout the week, when we don't do the show, you can hang us, hang us. You can find us hanging out mm-hmm. on our Discord, Discord.me/ShatteredOrder. A lot of fun going on in there. We pretty much talk about everything Star Wars, so it's always a good time. Um, yeah, I don't really know if there's anything left to be. Oh, there's one less thing to say because we always okay. say it on every show. Thank you to Blue Microphones for sponsoring this podcast. Oh, yeah. You are. They make great products. If you've ever been looking for a microphone, cords, uh, microphone Mm -hmm. stands, all the stuff, Blue Microphones is your place to go. Blue Microphones now owned by Logitech, who also makes your keyboards, your mouse, everything. Anything that you need to use for content creation. Beautiful Yeti. Menus. Menus? Content creation. snazzy light work yeah they got the they've new, got the, everything what is that new light you have the litra glow the litra glow from uh, logitech 
all kinds of yeah. stuff. Price very well, and it's amazing. If you're ever looking for that type of stuff, go to blue dot blue crew dot blue dot com slash shattered order. That's the that's the site, right? It's it's in the show notes. It's it'll be in the show notes. Anyways, thank you everybody for hanging out with us. It's been a pleasure. I really can't wait for Reboba Fett the finale. We'll talk about it next week. Yeah. So if you're around next week, get ready. It's gonna be a good time. Anyways, thanks everybody for hanging out. Wink, you got anything else you want to say? No, not really. See you guys next week. All right. Later, guys. Later.